say something, goddammit. You're on television. You're live to the whole world. Hello and welcome to another movie podcast. My name is Oscar and with me today is Luke. As well as Ralph. Uh, welcome to the Christmas episode. This is as close as the Christmas episode as we're going to get, folks, because the last this is the last broadcasted show we're going to do for 2023 officially. I mean, officially calendar. I mean, in the year. We still have more shows coming up in early January, of course. Um, should be said. This is episode number 191. And as usual, we're going to review three movies. Those three movies are not going to be picked by one person, but each of us picked one of these movies. Luke here picked Godzilla Minus One, which is going to be our second review of, to, of today. And Raf here picked uh, Hayao Miyazaki's maybe last film. I mean, I, I, he, he keeps threatening retirement. I hope he doesn't. He uh, His latest movie, The Boy and the Heron. We're going to review that first here, which is also making his most successful movie in the United States, by the way, money-wise. Gotta say, I'm glad for I'm glad to see that. Um, and uh, the movie I picked is Todd Haynes' latest film, currently on Netflix, called May December. May December. All these three movies could not be more different from each other. They could not be more different from each other in so many ways, in genre, in time period. Time, Although time period, a little but, bit with Boy and Heron and Godzilla, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, they're all very us. Yes, they all they all they all sound. And feel like movies we would choose, right? That we would not to mention. I mean, I would, I would have seen all of these anyway. We are one. We are the Borg. We are the Borg. Okay, is that that's a Star Trek? Oh, he's a he's a Trekkie. I'm sorry, guys, forgive him. He's he's a big Trekkie. Just know you are loved. Yeah, just know you are loved. (laughs) Seven of Nine lover. Um. Anyway. You can always find this episode at otherpodcast.com, not to mention uh, wherever you listen to us from podcasting-wise. Uh, I've heard some, I've gotten some new people into the show lately, which uh, could be regretful and embarrassing. I have no idea. Yeah, um, it right. It could always be that way. I know you pitch our show a lot, Rob, when, when asked uh, do, about, yeah, like, I, what I do you do mind. for a living? What do you do outside of work? I'm like, well. <laughs> yeah, I do pitch it. And they're like, oh, wow. And then it's funny because I've been pitched other shows, too. Like, oh, I do a podcast about this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Mm. I go, I'll give you a follow. You know, I don't get that a lot. I don't get the back like, oh, I have a pot. They don't, I don't get that a lot. I'm, I've I'm gotten it, you do. I've gotten it three times so far. Hmm. Wow. Well, as, I think, man, I think I've gotten it once maybe, so twice more. They're, than all, they're all sports though. So Or oh. uh, no, I lied, I lied. One was a comic. The other two are sports related. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to get into our uh, lives a little bit by saying, Luke, how you been lately? Nice face. Thank God freaking, the video. So yeah, that's a good day. Freaking uh, exhausted. Why? At work? On your own accord. To On your my own, own accord, accord yes. Yeah. I've been like, really burning the midnight oil in a way till the end of this year. So doing what I can, getting as much as I can. Are, is there a goal in mind? Like what's this money for? Eh. Or you want to avoid your family in Christmas? Is that what you're trying a to do? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. <laughs> Avoid all the festivities and happiness of family they, functions. They got me for Thanksgiving, okay? Mm. I should be happy with that. <laughs> that's it. That's the year. Sure. I used to be in, I used to be in other states for the holidays. That's true. I'm sure you love how much did you love that secretly? How much did you love that inside? Uh, a little bit. Of... Don't lie to me. 
this is an open space. Do, not open do space. you wish you could just go this. away for the season and then come back? If they, if, if they call and say, hey, we need you to go here, and I'd be like, I will do it. <laughs> In a heartbeat. <laughs> they, say, they say jump, you pull out the trampoline, right? And right, right. <laughs> right. It's like we have, we have this guy. He mm-hmm. went to, he moved to Alaska mm-hmm. and told his wife, no, work sent me there. He lied to his wife. What? He himself transferred up there for more money and would just, you know, send her money and she'd be happy and he would come down and visit her every chance he got for his vacation. But uh-huh. she always thought it was the job. Like a work thing. Yeah, and not him. Okay. Hi. Okay. Hi. We don't have time for this right now. We don't have time to unpack the the horrible decision making things that you just said. The horrible things you just said. Yeah. Because they're terrible. I hope they, you're not. Are you? Wait, are, is this are. man like a god to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, but it's, it's a funny story. No, if you deified him, no, it's funny. That's no, like hey. a that's like a legend status, you know. Like it's a great. That is something to, you like, see on a TV show. Oh, that doesn't sure, sound right? like oh, reality. <laughs> but uh, a type of work I did yeah. manage to do some cool things. Like okay, I saw a show. Like work longer. Okay, I went to the Liars Club in Chicago, mm-hmm. and they had a. I think it was. Junkers was the opening act, mm-hmm. followed by Wastelander from Michigan. That probably relates Junkers band. and Wasteland. Right, yeah. And then uh, Professor Black did a uh, whole set. Professor Black is the guy behind High Spirits and some of my favorite bands. He did a set of his old band, Super Christ. The whole set. I love Super, Super Christ. Christ. He did like 10, he did like oh. 10, 12 songs, like two from each album. It was fucking fantastic. Oh, and we made the cool joke that this is probably the first time we've ever seen Super Christ sober. Yeah, that's another thing. They don't sound sober on those albums. Oh, no, no, like us as being in the audience. You know what I'm saying? In general, heavily. that band doesn't sound it. Yeah. Amazing turnout. Fantastic time. A lot of hate. Oh, in the, in and, the the, uh, yeah, and then the, and then the headlining act was uh, Nun Slaughter. Oh, okay. That one I don't like know. Like Slaughter. Uh, no, N-U-N. N-U-N. N-U-N, yes. It's actually worse. Do they dress as priests? No, but there was this one girl in the crowd that was like total groupie vibes. She had like the little slutty nun costume, whatever. I was like, oh, you do you. Well, she did. She was trying, she, she was trying she to hit on herself. the guys. But then I looked at the band. I'm like, these guys have been around since 1987. Oh, they've been oh. around since 87. Yeah, Not I'm like born in '87. No, the band. I was <laughs> yeah. shocked. Huge distinction. I was like, "They're as old as me." The band. The band, <laughs> right? Exactly. The band's as old as you. Right. The band How name the is band as old. members. I right. don't know. They didn't right. seem well, well, at least at sixteen to that. At, at least. least at sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's yeah. a good number. But yeah, it was a great time. Saw some people I haven't seen in a couple years. So fun time was had by all. That sounds great, actually. I mean, I lo- when you said Superchrist, I might even... Oh, actually, if sure. you want to watch the Superchrist, one of the guys was there. He recorded the whole set. And it's on YouTube. I, I have the album, so... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Of course. Thank you. Of course. I'm messing with you. Um, that's excellent. What about you, Ralph? Anything like that? No. Uh, actually, was I haven't... What's really... the concert? Just out of curiosity. Deafening silence. He's pondering, folks. You can yeah. see the the smoke processing through. His head. Uh, I can't remember to be honest with you. That's okay. Yeah, I don't really don't go out it. like that. I um, yeah, every time it. I try to go out, I always go. These tickets are outrageous, but then I don't. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> or that's at Lollapalooza. I don't want to go to that. Still haven't been there. Right. Neither have I. Um, I don't know. I hold myself back from a lot of things. I don't go to a lot of things. Uh, but yeah. Besides that, I don't know. I've been weird. It's been weird. I, I haven't been working. I've been, I've been working overtime. Just not like not like Luke overtime. I've been so exhausted. I've been just so exhausted lately. Almost like if I've been coming down with something. Um, you have COVID. I don't think so. Okay. And um, and then uh, I, took today off. I, I, t- I took the day off today because I needed a rest. Like an all day yesterday, I just I kind of t- took a six hour nap, which is a sleep. And then I uh, <laughs> full blown sleep. And then I went to did some stuff, and I went back to bed, and I went to an eight hour eight hour sleep. Like, and then today I just didn't sleep yet. But anyways, it's just I I've been uh, needed to rest. Yeah. It's just been one of those weird, weird times. I get it. That sounds like I've been just doing a lot of stuff. Like my son has like a lot of routine stuff to do. He had his recital for his school. Um, I went to the zoo with I mean, the zoo, the museum with my family and my in laws or my uh, brother and sister in law with their. Oh, how was that for you guys? With my nephew, it was great. That my nephew's only like two months old, so they were like. He went out, so we little. I was like, "Yeah." You know uh, that. You know um, what's um, Godmother's name? Uh, Sarah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Names. Yeah. Sarah's husband. Are they married? Yeah. Okay. Husband is who? Hector. Hector. He. When you guys came, because this is my workplace. So when you guys came to the stands, donuts, right? He was in front of you, right? Yeah. I recognize it because it's you know it's very recognizable with facial he hair. Yes, with his facial hair. Yeah. It took me a minute, but I, I still recognize him. Could you tell that he did not recognize me at all? Oh, I knew it right away. Yeah. <laughs> did you tell him? He was. Uh, yeah, I told him. I go. You know, it was, my brother was just here. He was like, "Oh, I thought he looked familiar." That's what he told me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> he wasn't very checked out. He had just worked like a thirty-hour shift or something. What the fuck? Right. That's not a work. That's not a shift. That's a marathon. <laughs> That's a firefighter. Yeah, he uh, he does plumbing. He's in uh, plumbers uh, contracting association or whatever association yeah, yeah. bullshit. He's still learning, so he still goes to school for it and everything. But he okay. just did like the last two days, thirty. Sounds terrible. Oh yeah, and he looked exhausted, but he had already said yes to it, and I guess he was like, okay. As far as professions go, they're a solid number two. <laughs> the amount of times such a dad me, joke. Oh my god! Times he's told me. That uh, yeah. like the dumb stuff he's got to he's had to go through already, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, that's like, thank God, I I just wouldn't be able to do it. Like, yeah, well, there not, that, not that the job isn't like, hey, it just sounds like it's hard work, hard labor. But other than that, like, it doesn't sound super super complicated. But the reality of it is, uh, if you're not wearing PPE, which I'm sure nobody does, uh, you're getting a lot of pee and poop. So, mm-hmm. hey, ask him if you could flush flushable wipes. <laughs> yeah. So. I'll get yeah, right on that. Very important question. Let's get on right. that right now. Okay, we're going to move on now. That's, but you have fun. I'm, I'm glad you guys came, by the way. By the way. Yeah, you we get Blue Paradox? Everyone, everyone vouches for Blue Paradox. I, uh, I did it. not go see the Blue Paradox. <laughs> you didn't see it. God damn it. <laughs> I was hoping for I'll somebody. Watch I'll watch it next time. So um, that's actually a good uh, segue because I went to a work event. Uh, they had a, a they have two annual Christmas parties, one for Damn. the entire building, which is the one I went to um, day before yesterday. And as of this recording, of course, and then another one coming up next week, I think, for the kitchen side of the employees, which is which includes me. And um, I can't wait to see it, what that's like. And I went to that event and. um Gotta say, it was uh, it was it was fun watching like all this. They have all these trees there, and they have a bunch of like 
Do you see all the trees? I don't know if you saw them all, but like they have a map of the trees. Um, and uh, I did see I, most of the trees. I think I'd like. It's like a really, you know, I never really saw it or consider it. It makes sense now working there, of course, but never saw that museums get really, really busy. At least Chicago museums get really, really busy in the holidays during Christmas time because it's like a whole thing. It's like a whole. Yep. It's the busiest time. It really is. I really didn't think so. I really thought it was a summer thing. People went to museums. That, that was because oh, they, they have more time. To I go. guess so. That's because you're thinking about Chicagoans themselves or Chicagoland. I guess. People, yeah. Right. right cause I that's don't, what you're, that's what you're thinking. Right. You're not thinking about tourism. You're not thinking about, uh, yeah, I just, don't. Right. Yeah. Right. I, right. When I work, when I used to go to school at, uh, three blocks away from the art museum, I used to go there all the time for my lunch, you know, um, either go inside or just outside the steps or whatever. And like, I'll be there all the time. And sure. I would see tourists, but like, I, I didn't also, you know, I also didn't. And I also didn't see that busyness either. And that was, and that was throughout the whole year. I just didn't, didn't compute that it was a busier time in the winter, yeah. late winter than it is, uh, when it, than the You'd summer. You'd also be surprised the, uh, if you stand around for like, even like mm-hmm. a 30 minute window, a 30 minute time frame at, at like the ticket section, you'd be surprised how many people are members to things also. Mm-hmm. There's quite a, there's quite a few yeah. members. Right. And you're like, well, I'm taking advantage of my membership. So like, okay, cool. Right. So like you so, get a lot of them. I mean, you get more than what you think. It's not like an, an insane amount, but you still get more than what you expect. What it, what it, what it, right. So with that in mind, I've have, I have grown a new appreciation. I almost feel like I could like, you could see a lot of the progress and what's the opposite of progress? The backtracking. Regression. Thank you. Thank you. And the regression of society in all of the schools that come through the museum. You know what I'm talking about? So we have, for example, on average these days, on a weekday, we have about 4,000 people come in. All right. It could be more. It's almost always more, but it could be a little less than that. Right. 3,000 to four to 5,000, 6,000 sometimes Um, on a normal like Tuesday and shit. And uh, and all ninety percent of all that is and more and more are just students, right? On a field trip, and you see the teacher. My, my main thing right now is the teachers. They, I have grown appreciation for teachers for a lot of things. Uh, like for one is that it is it is a sociological fun experiment watching what you could easily tell between schools that are in richer areas than others come in. And watching them intermingle um, in the same line, ordering, you know, different things. I find that very appealing and very interesting to watch. Um, also, I see that a lot of teachers fork their money over for these kids all the time. And it's not like a, I don't know, it just seems like a, it seems like a daily thing with a lot of like students, teachers or their relationships and like corralling them and teaching them and being for them and stuff like that. And I see a lot of that activity there where a lot of teachers were just like, how about all these students? Like, yeah, fine, you can get a donut, you know. And it's clearly coming out of their page. Like, it's not like a, it's not like part of the school budget, right. you know. Um, I just find that kind of like endearing, you know. And uh, given that the fact that they're obviously treated not very well and they're very, it's very well, it's universal that we, they, they don't get paid much in this country. So especially public, which most of these are. So uh, I just wanted to say that I've been noticing that, and it's like, yeah, I'm having a more appreciation for them these days. Let me tell you, as I watch them come in day in day out, day in and day out. I mean, um, okay. I've no okay. 
Yeah. I've been going to work much earlier now. So mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of people like drive like around like five, six in the morning, give or take. Yeah. A lot of people do not turn on their fucking headlights. Oh. And the other and then and the people that have fog lights have them on nonstop. Are they just stupid? <laughs> Where's the fog? I just want to ask them. Where's the fog? A lot of people just uh, turn. They, there's no. There's either a hundred or nothing. You know, it's uh, it's either it's everything goes some... on or nothing goes on. Huh? You know, even though there's an auto feature, people don't realize what they do. What they don't pay attention to, like the little details. You'd be surprised how many people. So how dumb. many people do that? Yeah. And I'm sure you see it a lot more because you've worked mornings way more than I have. Dude, I see a ton of people driving without their headlights, yeah. and I always flash my lights at them. Yeah, um, but if we're there behind you, I'm just like, what the fuck? I... Well, dude, I, I almost got hit one like uh, a couple weeks ago because uh, I had uh, this, uh, what's it called? I had just uh, I had just pulled out, and I didn't see the car coming because he didn't have his headlights. And I was oh. turning, and I was like, holy shit. And I was like, it's fucking like, it's dark as hell outside. You know? I'm like, you don't have huh. your headlights. I don't know. Like, How, who's... I go, yeah, I, I mean, I know. Supposed- I did look. I didn't see a car, but you know, you're just kind of blending in with your black car. So, like, I don't know, what, do you, what do you want me to do here? You know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I guess uh, I would say that uh, obviously I don't know that much as from my end. Um, sometimes I do for sure, but not as much as you would think. It's always highway, and everyone has their headlights on. Um, but uh, when I used to work even earlier at the Navy base, yeah, at four in the morning, you know, that's when I would notice those things for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I get my stuff at two a.m. right now, so yeah. All right, we're going to move on here to some recent discoveries. Not a terribly great segue into it, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, recent discoveries is self-explanatory. Luke, you have seen a movie that I saw as well. Why don't you tell us what that is? All right. I saw, I'm assuming what you're talking about is Wonka. You saw the new Wonka. What made you see this yeah. movie, first of all? I just want to ask. Were you um, you yeah, a big Wonka guy? Yeah. You're a Wonka file? No, but yeah. I heard that like... Did you know it was a musical? I knew it was a musical. Okay. Hmm. And I and I was like, I noticed like they don't tell, they don't mention that it's a musical at all, in like uh, what you call it, like that. The trailer I saw had literally zero mention of a musical. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about, like every scene was like shown no music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so I saw it, and it's pretty much the uh, origin story of Wonka opening up his chocolate store slash factory and all the stuff he's got to go through. And you know, oh my God, you know what's funny? If you look at the IMDb page, it just has it listed as adventure, comedy, and family, not musical. Huh. But here's my problem with it, yeah. though, as being a quote-unquote musical. Yeah. The lack of songs. You have a problem with it because it didn't have enough songs? Yeah. Really? I think it had, like, okay, at the end of the movie, I stayed for the credits, and I counted nine songs, but I'm like... So you know, nine musical things, you know how they give yeah, yeah. all the music. Uh-huh. I counted nine, and I saw that Timothy Chalamet had like Chalamet, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he had like five singing credits that I could see really fast. I'm like, well, that's a like five, six songs maybe for the whole thing. Felt a little lackluster. Expected more. Okay, so what do you think of the movie though? Besides counting oh. the music songs when you were watching, uh, the movie was the movie was fine. It was a good family movie. If I had a family, no, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. How uh, mm-hmm. how much catered to kids is this? Um, 
enough. I don't know. I don't have a kid meter. Okay, I'm going to step in here now, okay? It's my turn. This movie's fantastic, Ralph. Go take your kid. Okay, cool. I really recommend it. I really love it. I had no idea it was a musical, though. So so. I'm not going to lie to you. I was going to go watch it today because I had the time. Uh Yeah. And I found out it was a musical, and I said, no, my kid likes musicals, so I'll wait and I'll watch it with him. Good. So watch it with him because they're like uh, now there's some. Weekend, so. It's it, it can get a little dark for sure, and but if you've seen you've seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? And, and yeah, I've seen I've seen all the Wonkas and the other one, um, and the, the the Johnny Depp one, the Tim Burton one is definitely the darkest one I would say of all three, maybe. Um, and Gene Wilder is definitely doing a more of a bitter sweet a better version of Wonka because that's the original of course but like he's an older right. statement stately uh, ruled emperor kind of Wonka this is very much like Wonka beginning right uh, and Timothy Chalamet is playing a Wonka that is much more hopeful and much more you know elaborate and um, adventurous and much more bright bright is the main word here I think Timothy Chalamet nails the fucking role I he's a good Wonka, yeah. He's a really. I didn't expect him to be that good. And yeah, he, he looked good in the trailer that I saw. And this movie also serves as like the third recent reminder in movies and TV shows lately, where like uh, the, the the idea of being in debt and debtor's prison and all that is a big part of that movie in this in this one too. And uh, with this and Fargo season five and other things uh, lately, I feel like a lot of people are talking about debt and the nature of. Uh, you know, up debt and um, making money after that. Anyway, but besides that, uh, this movie, uh, like I said, uh, I would call it. Uh, I would call it a musical because it does have key moments in the movie that are musical in in, yeah, in nature, yeah, but- like introductions to not just the presentation of the chocolates, but introductions of the of uh, the Oompa Loompa, for example, introduction of the characters you see when later on that he meets with the girl and other things. I, I feel like that makes it a musical itself. Is it like Repo Man, where it has like 50 songs in that movie? No. No, it's not. No, it's not. But if you count the, all the songs in Chicago, you'll see, Luke, that there isn't like, they have maybe a few more songs. It's not like, you know, every square inch of the movie is musical either, you know? So uh, I wasn't disappointed by it, is what I'm trying to say. I, I, but I also didn't know it was a musical until I saw it. But I found uh, I, this movie was a blast. It was a lot of fun watching it. I was laughing out loud. I was enjoying it. I had a smile on my face watching it. It was much more, it might be my favorite Willy Wonka movie. Obviously, this is very recent. I saw this yesterday. Um, so I might have to reimagine myself on the original Gene Wilder. I didn't, I've never particularly liked the Tim Burton one. I remember feeling like it was too morose and like unnecessarily so. Why you have to go this way? Yeah. You know, that was my opinion of it at the time. I haven't seen it since that year. What year is that? 20, 2005 or six? I don't, I don't Yeah, know. I haven't seen it since then either. I've seen yeah. the. And the Gene Wilder one, I haven't seen in a long time either. I've seen it a few times as a child, sure, in my teenagers, uh, teenage uh, years as well, but it's been a long time as well. So I may have to revisit both, but I loved this new one. Did not expect to love it. And it makes sense. It's made by the guy who did Paddington 2. Uh, another movie I haven't seen, but I hear amazing things about, by the way. The Paddington movies. Um, I really liked everyone in this movie. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Emotional, it was great. It, 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 definitely for families. Uh, you could just watch it as an adult because there's a lot of stuff in there you can enjoy. I think kids will enjoy a lot of the magical realism of the movie. It's just so much fun. I can't imagine that your kid will not like it in some degree. 
but I don't know. I'm not. I mean, um, but kids are different, so I don't know. Um, you're right. I don't have a kidometer either, but I think you will enjoy it. So that is my thinking, my thoughts on Wonka. All right. Uh, what else you got, Luke? Okay, I saw this Netflix document, uh, not Netflix, YouTube documentary that nope. I've heard about called The Dark Sad Life of Boogie 2988. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. But in a lot of my geeky circles, this has been a lot of talk about this guy. So pretty much it's uh, once one of YouTube's most beloved creators, Boogie2988's career took a sharp down, a downward turn in 2019. Four years later, his life is in shambles. This documentary follows Boogie's day-to-day life after losing his marriage, audience, and money. Hmm. Is this the one they were talking about on Sacred? No, I think that was... The, I don't know. I'm really bad on... I'm not caught up with Sacred. I know they talk about Chris Chan a lot. They're uh, talking about one of them right now. Okay, tell me this one. Tell me the story, and then I'll, yeah. I think I'll tell you if it's... It might be him. Um, so this guy, obviously, he had like 4 million subscribers and whatnot. Got all this money from YouTube and sponsorships. And then eventually he got worse and worse. Started doing a lot more shock things. Dropping the N-word. Dropping like like a lot of derogatory terms when he like streamed and things like that. And then like one year in 2019, this guy went through all of his content and compiled and like picked anytime he said something bad, it made this huge thing of like on Reddit, like this guy's an asshole. And then everyone turned on him and all of his sponsors pulled away. So he lost a lot of money. And then you find out he spent a lot of money on like, a lot of high-end uh-huh. hookers and escorts. Yes, that's the same like guy. That. Same guy. Same yeah. guy. So, yeah. Sex yeah, you were waiting for that part. Yeah. Sex yeah. workers. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and, and like, like, like money. Like, he would one take of, him yeah. out to, like, Disney for the weekend. Like, kind of shit. Like, yeah. he literally paid for one of them. Stuff, yeah. One of them was able to pay for her school Yep. to become a nurse. And she said sleeping with him is what made her quit sex work. Because <laughs> this guy is really morbidly obese, too. I should have mm-hmm. said that. But he had like gastric bypass, so he lost like 200 pounds, but he's still in the upper range of like 400 pounds. So. Okay. Man, it's just a really dark, depressing documentary of how, and they show like clips of like how he used to be when he was like first started. He's kind of this very positive force, and then like now he's mm-hmm. just like, if you'll pay so, for me and give me money. So, what is the message you think is this like about popularity about fame is this about something else i mean he was essentially like that thing where you know poor kid with a lot of childhood trauma all of a sudden gets all this money and this whole windfall and like doesn't know what to do with it and just fucks it all up and then he's got all these like medical issues like physical Here, i'll, I'll put it in waka terms for you he got the golden ticket right and <laughs> no, i'm just kidding uh <laughs> and he just Although there's a great it, golden it does feel like scop- like it does feel like he squandered it. I mean, he mm-hmm. kind of did get a golden ticket where yeah. he made it big on YouTube. Not everyone makes it big on YouTube, you know. So the point where you get sponsors and stuff. Yeah. And then like he wastes money still. Like in the documentary, he's like, "Oh yeah, I gotta get groceries." Oh, but then I also bought like Final Fantasy 16 Collector's Edition for ninety dollars. I bought Tears of the Kingdom for seventy dollars. It's like, dude, if you're about to lose your house because you can't make your mortgage, you're gonna buy video games. Or that he has like a he has a huge collection of Magic the Gathering cards, like really rare and expensive ones. So he's got to like sell those just to make ends meet. 
but he just doesn't want his friends to know that he's, you know, broke and he can't even play Magic the Gathering. So, very depressing. Yeah. Um, my question, uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out is that what did you take from this, from this tale? I just learned about the sad, dark life of Boogie 2988. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Um, and obviously, there's like a whole thing of optimism towards the very end because he like he finds a girlfriend, but it's weird because she's 29 years younger than him. Whoa! <sighs> and then like he started, he's seeing like a shaman guy, and he's getting like all these like psychedelic treatments, and he feels better and more positive and things like that. So, but we'll it's see. Feel, what happens. It feels like uh, it could it be like the Bieber effect, but um, but not continually successful, like right. When I don't you know who that kind is. of warp a mind with instant success like that. Oh yeah, right. Maybe yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen this fucking thing yet. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna, but it's, it's uh, like an hour and change, I think. So okay. All right. So what else you seen? Uh, then I finally saw the Wes Anderson shorts. Finally, you and Roth. Finally, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, the Swan, the Rat Catcher, and Poison. I was right though. Watching the Henry Sugar one first is better, right? Because it's, it's it was that's the, the first one I saw, and it was okay. great. I and I think that's why it's my favorite one hmm. out of the four. I mean, yeah, it's definitely the longest for sure too. And then followed by Poison, Rat, Swan, and then the Rat Catcher. Okay, that's my ranking. If it mattered. No, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, to you, it does. Stories. Yeah, <laughs> fun little stories. Definitely Wes Anderson. If you couldn't tell, and love everything about it. The acting, the story, the the little vignettes or whatever. And I saw Ralph saw it too. I did. <laughs> you could be not more. You could not be more cute up, Ralph. Come on. I know. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did watch it. I actually watched this like randomly. I was doing laundry and I was watching we were downstairs. I was downstairs with my brother and uh not you. And um he was uh we were perusing Netflix and I was like, I don't know what to watch. And then literally uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar came up and I was like, Why does that sound familiar? And I was like, Oh, that's that uh that's that uh Anderson guy. And I was like, Yeah, I go, uh, they're shorts, you wanna watch uh, a couple shorts? He's like, sure. And we ended up just watching all of them. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So pretty watchable. They are very watchable, yes. And I saw it. Was, you know what's funny is that I was like, why does that story sound so familiar? Because the, the story of Henry, uh, of Henry Sugar. And I was like, I think I've heard. I think I've read the short before, to be honest with you. And I was like. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, it's pretty popular, I think. I'm not I, and sure. I was like, yeah, it's a, I'm pretty, pretty sure I've read the short. I, I thought it was great. Um, I do feel like the first one is given obviously more attention but i think it's just a longer story overall so it obviously makes sense but uh i did like the sw- i like the swan i think the most as to how it was shot oh and how my- everything is as shown in comparison mm-hmm. to uh, for the, the, all of them uh poison was cool too um and what's up what do you what do you want to, try to say the, the name the guy who wrote yeah. the henry Roald Dahl? story Roald Dahl? yeah wrote charlie and the chocolate factory yeah he did I, I just made that connection because I saw his name and <coughs> today when I saw, yeah, you, you did two roll doll things. Yeah, you watched two yeah. roll doll at a time. Howdy, buddy. Well, not um, really. But. Po- Poison, I think, was the funniest for me though. 
um, in a weird way. Because I guess maybe because uh, every time he kept trying to like talk and like talk about don't do this, don't do that. And it was right. like one of those. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't move so your funny. muscle. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I thought they were cool. I thought the casting was great also. Um, and I did feel I was like, I wonder how they're going to show this. I was like, oh, they're just going to explain it. I was like, okay, cool. Um, but it all, it all overall worked out very Wes Anderson. Like you guys were, like you had said earlier before, where it's just, uh, it does feel like he's like at his peak in this like encapsulated time frame, right? This, you're only like 20 minutes. So like he goes like all out in these 20 minutes, you know, or 40 for the other one or very, very short time, 37 mm-hmm. minutes, right? Um, it's just like he's got only. And it's this. like minimalist filmmaking, like they're on a set the whole time, right? And, it, and it's and it's done and it's done in his in his way that it makes it feel still like oh, obviously we're watching a Wes Anderson short, but it's, and it also it, you also lose yourself in the set, like it does a good enough job of like oh yeah oh, oh yeah one hundred percent one of those um, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. it's it's just obviously well done. Um, and uh, what's it called? Uh, Richard uh, Ayode or Ayoade, whatever his last name is. Ayode. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when I was watching it, I was like, <laughs> the whole the whole time we were watching, it, uh, Danny, my brother, was like, "What do I know him from?" And I was like, "You want me to tell you, or do you, or do you want to figure it out on your own?" And he was like, "No." I was like, "It crowd." He's like, "Damn it!" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like "Yeah." Move, of course, yeah. I was one hundred percent. Yeah. And he's like, "Dude, I knew I knew him from somewhere." I was like, "Isn't yeah. that funny? He looks older but younger at the same time in a weird way." In this, in yeah. This universe. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Besides that, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really cool uh, four shorts to watch, um, if especially if you like uh, Wes Anderson. So. Yeah. Highly recommend. Uh, would you guys watch. agree with my statement that it's like this best work in years? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, sure. <laughs> okay. I I don't know. I guess singing endorsement from Luke there. <laughs> I guess you could say that. I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying here. I mean, mm-hmm. in comparison to when's the last one? Well, how many years? Astro were City, uh, French Dispatch. I guess in current, yeah. If you think about it, the the one I I like the Isle of Dogs. Um, I mean, I like all of his movies. I don't. I like, I don't yeah, know. I like, I like or love all his movies. Right, exactly. Yeah, even Dodging Limited, I like it to a point. Yeah, uh, it's the worst one, but but yeah. for sure, I guess really since like Grand Budapest, I guess, which is twenty fourteen. Um, uh, after that, uh, I would say not the not the same thing. Last time, any of the other movies, but it does feel like uh, comparison. These these four shorts are given like it's like he's on like you know he took all of his Adderall. For those, no, I feel like he's on another level because he is adapting. The difference between them is that he is using his directing style and flourishes, and which is a lot of great things. He's he's, I'm not saying he's not involved at all, but like all the all the writing is someone else. Yeah, which is which is right that too. But it's also uh, because the French Dispatch (laughs) is very much basically the short four shorts. I mean, it's almost the same thing, right? Just oh yeah. I mean, he's been leaning into a lot more heavier. I mean, he's always done this too, by the way, but like, uh, the story within a story within a story. Yeah. I mean, Henry sugar is like four layers deep. It's inception in there. Right. Very much. There's there's like five stories within the story. in that, which is, which is basically kind of asteroid city also, which is, which is right. 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 (laughs) I mean, it's just, it is funny when you, but in a shorter format, I think it works better in that, in that short than I think in, in the overall, of yes. yes, I think is it's what I was trying to say. More easily digestible, for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, all right. So I'm glad you guys watched them finally. I'm glad you guys saw them before the end of the year list um, because it, it, one of these could show up. You know, it sounds lackluster to put a short on the top 10. 
like I'm feeling it, even though I want to put like Henry Sugar or Poison on there. Yeah. Uh, or at least put them. I mean, they're going to be my short list no matter what. But uh, I, I wonder if they will creep up or not. And the great thing about them is that they're so easy to be watchable. Like, I'm going to watch that again and see if I really want to. You know, so easy to rewatch that movie. Um, those movies, I meant to say. Uh, what else, Luke? Is that all for you? That's it. All right, Rob, you have something. Yeah, I actually have another movie that I forgot to put on there, but I'm just going to mention that one really quickly um, after this one. So the movie I saw, I saw a documentary that you guys would never watch, which is, um, it's a sport documentary. So it's uh, it's called Bye Bye Barry, and it's okay. on uh, Prime. It's the definitive story, according to the IMDb <laughs> description, of uh, Barry Sanders' Hall of Fame career and his extraordinary decision to walk away from the game in the prime of his career. So if you don't know who Barry Sanders is, um, nope. If you've never heard the name before, if you nope. don't watch football, which makes sense. Uh, hold on. At you. Bless you. At you. At you. He, he's, he muted his mic. At you. He muted his mic, so we're doing it for him. Yeah. At you. Right. Your at you's are way better than my at you's. <laughs> yes, they are. Anyways, sorry. Thank you. I had a sneeze. And uh, yeah, Barry Sanders, uh, one of the probably most known uh, running backs. Uh, of his era, of uh, of all time, to be honest with you, in the NFL, uh, he was for the Detroit Lions, which is a better team right now, but a garbage team for the most part. Um, and uh, he's like a first round pick, and one of these huge things. He's like this supposed to be the next big thing. He came in the times of the uh, early nineties to and lasted his career to like I think late nineties or early two thousands. Hmm. And uh, he just he did this like eight year span of like just doing having amazing records. He could have broken the top number one record, but he's never been one of those guys who for four records. Um, he's just kind of like, he shows his effort on the field. He's, if he's going to, he plays to win games. If he can't win a game anymore, or he knows he can't win, he's like, well, I'm not, there's no point of me playing kind of situation. I'm not stuffing my numbers for me to look good. I don't care about me looking good. I care about a, the team looking good. Kind of one of those people. Um, very, very much of one of those people. And it's like, he just doesn't have that flair that you're known for the NFL or for as a sport person. Like, you know, you go out there, talk to the media, talk yourself up and do all this stuff. He's a complete opposite. He's like, I, I'm, I don't need to talk to you. Like the game, it is what it is. Like I win. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like I just want to, I just want to win for my team. Like that's, had he won a Super Bowl, he never did obviously because that's Alliance. Um, had he ever won a Super Bowl, he probably would. I could see him retiring. Like just the type of person he is. He's like, well, I got everything already. So what do I need more of anything? Like, you know, there's no need for it anymore. He could just walk away from it. I've, I've, I've achieved everything I could in this sport, you know, um, with my and team. I'm finished with this guy. I did everything. Yeah, very much so. And it's one of those guys that just a lot of people, in the, especially in the sport of, the, in the sport of uh, football, NFL, um, American football, it's hard to see that. Type, that person is very rare. Like, you, you don't see that type of person um, who is willing to walk away because he could have had another three years easily. He was like 31, I think, when he retired. Uh, which is old for football, but also it's still not super old for athletes. Like you're, you're putting it, you really put it all together. You have so much experience now, and you're still young enough to go another three years before your body kind of just starts like going down. Which is what they say a lot about fighters. Like fighters around the 30s, like they're really dangerous because they've been fighting for since like yeah. 16 all the way till now. You know, and now like now their age, the, the all the uh, all the knowledge they have, and all this, you know, their their body's still at their peak. You're like, well, hey, I could do some real damage here too against anybody. Um, that they put it all together. So 
very similar to this end. And it was a cool story just to see like his accolades and what he did and just kind of him choosing to like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm just going to walk away. And you know, there's decisions behind it and everything, but it is one of those, like, had he gone somewhere else, would he have, you know, like one of those, what if stories, like he probably could have been like easily three time champ somewhere, some other team. Just, he just fell into the wrong team. One of those kind of guys, but he still accomplished so much. And he's like beloved in the sport, even though he did, literally just like walk away and like I, when he was supposed to show up back for work he's like he just said i he retired and i'll give it to you guys because it's just a story he retired through a fax machine he just sent the fax <laughs> to, the, to the team he's like oh, hey I'm, just, I'm leaving like and then he left and he was like spotted in london like where he's supposed to be in training camp and he's like what are you doing in london he's like oh i'm on vacation like <laughs> I, I don't i don't play football anymore kind of scenario mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it's just so funny that he retired through a fax. He's like, see you later, later, guys. It's like, who does that? Like, uh, but yeah, he did. So it's a cool story. Um, that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, the other movie I did watch that I did, forgot to put out here, that, I, like I said, I'll just mention it. It's an older movie. It's, uh, what's it called? It is uh, The Outsiders, the 1983 movie. I was uh, coming across it on, uh, huh. I think it was on Max or before he got off of Max. And I forgot to put it on here last week. This mm-hmm. is Francis Ford Coppola's uh, in a small Oklahoma town in '64. The rivalry between two gangs, the poor greaser and the rich soch, heat up when one gang member accidentally kills a member of the other. Uh, this is just like a fucking cast of everybody and their mom: uh, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, uh, Emilio Estevez, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, Glenn Withrow, uh, uh, Diane Lane is in this. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, just like Tom Waits. <laughs> Murderer's Row of cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, see Thomas Howell. Like, crazy, crazy casting, crazy casting. And, uh, yeah, I dug this movie. Um, I can see why, like, it's still, like, talked about. about. Um, I, I thought it was really, I thought it was, like, this super, uh, you know, it's, I, I've seen it before in just about every movie that came out in the 70s and 80s of, uh, you know, like, uh, West Side Story and, you know, of those type of movies of just, like, these two rival Warriors, right? Very much the warriors yeah. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but uh, this is done more like uh, more like a, like they said in the, the description, more like a poverty kind of thing. You know, like they live on the south side; they're rich. We live on the north side; we're poor. Even though that's you know um, how it is in that movie. But I thought it was uh, I thought it was obviously an iconic movie. I see why it's like talked about a lot. Um, Overall, like I, I, I dug a lot of things that happened, and I get it. Um, I just, it's just when you see it through, the, you have to see it through the lens of that, and specifically, I'm just like, guys, you guys should just go ahead and talk. But I did like the whole turnabout of like when they get to, and I'm just gonna spoil a fucking like, you know, forty year old movie. Um, Try sixty, rough. Huh? Try almost sixty. Nineteen eighty three. Oh, eight. oh, that was earlier. Okay, right. I, was, I was about to say it's like 41 years old. 41, you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, what's it called? I can do math. Uh, or 40 right now, 41 soon. And uh, yeah, so the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the the whole spoiler for like, when they hide, when they hide after killing the guy, and then they save the kid, like they're like, it's like, does it counterbalance? Like you feel like it should counterbalance for total accidental, you know, like he was, they were going to kill the one kid. Like he did it for self-defense. Um, but you know, it's hard to prove all that. And then this fight and then all of these people and uh, Ralph Macchio's performance is way more like, and I can see, I guess why he's more notoriously known 
I guess, besides just the Karate Kid. Um, because I he thought his performance was really well. <laughs> what happened? He did things aside the Karate Kid, right? Exactly. Um, sure. I've seen him in other. I've seen him in other things, but I was like, "What else is he that big for? I can't just be that." And I seen him in this, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, that's, there, he's he's actually a really like big role in this movie. Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought I thought I was like, "Oh wow!" Like he actually can do something else like, besides Karate <laughs> Kid. <laughs> Go figure. Um, or that's Karate Kid available. But yeah, that's the Outsiders. Um, I can see, like I said, I can see why it's iconic. Um, it hit me more than American Graffiti, which I couldn't finish. But yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I really like and, American Graffiti, so I wonder if I would you like that. You like that as Yeah, no, that was that was a weird curveball. Are they contemporaries? No, <laughs> they're not. Yeah, they came out of different decades, I believe. Um, they did, okay. Yeah, they did. Anyway, um, but anything past thirty years might as well be old. Who gives a shit? Right? So I saw. I mean, that's what they keep movies. telling us. So yeah. So I saw a few movies. I'm trying to catch up. I'm still gonna watch a lot more. Um, one of the here's one that I saw that I would not recommend is and it's funny because I've, I've I've stumbled into being the guy accidentally being the guys is watching more new Christmas movies than most of us than all the rest of us and I'm the least Christmas guy out there give or take I've been watching um, older movies to to show my son we saw Gremlins recently so no that's fine that's fine um but I saw John Woo's latest film he came back after a long time to make a movie in the states. Um, it's been a long ass time since he made a movie here. This is the guy who made famously made Face Off and Mission Impossible Two, and you know the killer. The killer being not an American movie, but an amazing action film. This guy is considered to be the grandfather of a lot of America, a lot of uh, a cinema action cinema that has. Um, I don't want to say plagued our theaters necessarily in bad ways for sure, but has uh, inspired so many movies. From the Matrix to John Wick to a lot of things, Extraction Two that we saw this year, you know, like so many things are inspired by this man in many ways. And here he comes back with a movie called Silent Night, starring Joel Kinnaman, uh, a grieving father, and acts his long-awaited revenge against a ruthless gang on Christmas Eve. Uh, this movie stars him and Catalina Sandino Moreno, the girl from uh, Maria Full of Grace. If you've seen that movie, you know how fucked up that is. This movie is awful. I'm sorry, guys. It is bad. It is not even laughably bad. It is just bad. The one guy I follow on TikTok for movies said it was really bad, too. I wanted it to be so good. I wanted to be there. And I was enjoying some stuff. There's some stuff in this movie for sure that is enjoyable. Some of the action stuff is pretty cool. Like, uh, I think the OG version of that uh, car chasing that they do is minimalist compared to what we see in crazy shit nowadays. But it's still cool to watch that shit. Uh, I thought that was uh, well made. And some of the fight scenes, the gun fight scenes that happen um, in the like in the extreme intense moments kind of thing. I thought that that worked out well, too, in some of the shit, especially in... In the third act. Um, but this movie, guys, takes a whole hour to get its motor running on the revenge. And they show at least, I, I swear to God, at least 20 to 30 minutes on flashbacks on him, like on his son dying. Because the movie opens up with his son getting killed by these gangbangers in a drive-by shooting. Again, these are all problems that are that would have been a lot more foreseeable and understandable in the 90s action movie, not in 2023. I'm not saying they don't exist anymore. I'm just saying that it's like, it's like a weird old trope to have 
drive-by shootings being the main cause of revenge anymore. Uh, it feels like we're past the death wish phase, but we're, we're not. Anyway, um, and I feel like this movie is like so old-fashioned and not in good ways, though. And again, the movie takes an hour to get fucking going. This movie could have been shorter as fuck. Um, I want to do a supercut of this movie. I think doing a supercut would make this movie badass because it's just so dauntingly too much shit. And it's so dour. There is no Christmas spirit in this movie at all, which sucks. Lame. It's not high hard. It's Lame. not Violent Night. It's yeah. not anything like those movies. Yeah, Violent Night had a good Christmas spirit. A fucking know? amazing Christmas story. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Santa I mean, I doesn't with... believe in himself. I, you I, know? I, <laughs> How awesome is that? I, I know. I know. I agree with you. I, I listened to my top 10 last year. So Yes, I was about to say, Rafa made your top 10. I haven't seen that movie. I, I didn't see any that movie for, for that top 10 at that time, but I've seen it since. It is a great, it is a great movie. I, I don't regret your choice. Like I, oh. like I understand why, you know. Yeah. Um, but this is not that, so I would not recommend. Unfortunately, Silent Night. Good. I, I good. almost went to go watch it, despite like I've mm-hmm. heard bad things besides the yeah. one reviewer I said. But yeah. I've heard other bad things, and I'm just like, oh, like. But at the same time, I'm like, should I just risk it and watch it anyway? Like I could. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, it is John Woo. It's, it's John like, Woo. It's John Woo. It's John Woo. John Woo. 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 He's your favorite, isn't he? He's, He's your, your favorite. favorite. Yeah, why haven't uh, you seen this? Right. Yeah, why haven't you? Motorcycle. Uh, yep. Right. I don't think he can. Uh, what's okay, the... That's enough. It wasn't a rhetorical <laughs> question. It was rhetorical. <laughs> right. We're going to move on here. I saw another movie that I mildly recommend. Uh, I saw Leave the World Behind, which is on Netflix right now. It just came out. Yes. Um, how do you. How do you feel? That just came out like today, didn't it? Or like no, yesterday? No, because I saw it three days ago. So. Leave the World Behind? <laughs> Maybe it came. Maybe it came out just yesterday. I saw it like within like two days ago at most. I saw it, you know. Um, but I've been watching a lot of movies back to back a lot, so maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm a little wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It just came out. Uh, a family's getaway to a luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. Uh, this is uh, written. Well, co-written and also entirely directed by Sam Esmail, which is the reason I wanted to see this movie. Do you guys know who that is? Sam Esmail. He Sounds did the familiar. amazing show Mr. Robot. Oh. Uh, he's the guy. He's the showrunner for Mr. Robot, which I show I loved. Except for season two, of course. Uh, but season two aside, seasons one, three, and four are amazing. Anyway, um, this movie stars Julia Roberts, Maharshala Ali, and Ethan Hawke. Big, I mean, those are powerhouses in many mm-hmm. ways in their form. Um, this is based on a book, by the way, uh, which I'm interested in reading. This movie, I would say it's a mild recommendation. I had fun watching this movie. Uh, if you've seen Mr. Robot, you know how um, what Sam Asmell may think of the world, especially, I mean, I, I don't mean in cyber attack fashion. I mean, in the sense of like debilitating or destroying what is known to be a normal world. He likes de- deconstructing the American dream. He likes deconstructing or destroying the American safe- safeguards that run our life or that don't run our lives, you know, what we're ignorant about. He likes destroying those, pulling that over their heads and saying, this is your world now. It's getting a lot worse. What are you going to do? He likes doing that shit. This is what this movie is basically is. Uh, it's a very slow build to it, though. Um, and the movie starts right away, of course. The movie separated by chapters. I'm not saying there's nothing going on. But uh, it's slow going in the sense that we're only seeing this catastrophic uh, nationwide event happen through the eyes of people that don't know what's going on yet. 
for most of the movie. And I would say that that kind of thing, while it makes sense for an indie movie, it might, maybe that's what this was, but with these actors, I don't know. It's not an indie movie, you know? Um, these are all Academy Award winning <laughs> actors going on here. Um, is that uh, I kind of wish they had more going for it and not so blinded of a one-sided thing for me but it's just my thinking on it yeah. uh, like i said i had fun watching the movie you're right this came out a while ago i was thinking of a different movie sorry oh, what movie were you thinking of it's a, uh it's a sh- i'll tell you right now it's something about the world behind too okay uh okay so i wasn't wrong right i was like i saw it three weeks ago i don't know what, i don't know i saw it this week for sure i just don't remember when um Anyway, and uh, I guess I liked it. I think you guys might find some of the stuff interesting for sure. It's not about the realism of a, how would a cyber attack look like, but it's like it's like if the effects were actually succeeded, how then would they look like? It makes you never want to get like a automatic car or um, self driving car for sure because it, it's a terrible thing. At the- <laughs> right, right. It's a it's a show that just came out. The one I saw. Okay, and. Um, Anyway, so like I said, there's some interesting visuals for sure. Uh, the camera is really inventive in this movie. Um, it has an ending. It has the thing with friends. Like, it has some points to give for sure. I just didn't inve- buy it inve- all personally. Inventive how? Can you give me an example? Uh, like uh, it would show um, there's like swooping crane shots constantly. Like there's this deer scene where like the crane just like, moves up and to show like an expanse of more deer behind brushes and shrubbery. And it'll do that same effect, a very similar effect of moving to the left, to the right, or panning this way or that way, um, based on a mood we're going with the soundtrack. But the actors are not doing anything. They're like they're thinking about something, sure, but like they're showing the state of something else going on. Yeah. Um. This movie is very like the camera's the dynamic as fuck. Um. It's my point. Um. Yeah. Which is which is true of Mr. Robot. It's true if you've seen that show. Um. Which I highly recommend. Oh my god, watch it, guys. All anyway, right, we will. I will. Yeah. I know Luke has seen it. Uh. By Rafa. Anyway. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll watch it. So I mildly recommend this movie. Like I said. Um. I, I it wish mildly? it was. I wish it was more. I just wish I want. I wanted more. Is my problem. So, and that don't mean saying, like leave them wanting more. I mean, I. I, I think the movie would have been better with more. Okay. Um, it wasn't like it was so good that I wanted to keep going. No, I wish I wanted more so I could love the movie more. Ah, uh, okay. So because listen, I like yeah. you said, it's a it's an acting powerhouse. I mean, just yeah, yeah. And they have and they each have their own like scenes and their own monologues too, and their own like spaces to act and by themselves and with each other. It works well. They have children too involved in the movie. Um, and I I just don't think it's anything to cry home about either. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like whatever uh, also he uh sam esmail did homecoming right with uh, julia roberts on amazon sure the first season was amazing great great fucking season also watch that mm-hmm. anyway that's we leave the world behind it's on uh, netflix check it out if you wish uh like i said mild recommend i saw so i i i, I bought this movie because it was five dollars on itunes mainly, mainly because of godzilla minus one i bought uh shin godzilla anyone shin? seen oh you bought shin it godzilla. cool i'll watch it no yeah, go i watch haven't it, guys. Seen- no, but was, uh, ever since ever since uh, Godzilla minus one came out, everyone's yeah. talking about Shin Godzilla. So I saw Shin Godzilla the year it came out. I don't know. I, I don't think I talked about it on the show, but that was 2016. You're right. We were doing a show back then. Oh, I just don't remember if we did talk about it. Uh, you might have mentioned it. I think you did, but I, I don't. To I don't be honest remember. with you, I, I can't remember. Uh, Japan is plunged into chaos upon the appearance of a giant monster. That is the fucking synopsis. Um, Written and directed by, well, directed and written by Hideko Anno and uh, co directed by Shinji Higuchi, yeah. co written by Sean Wheatley or Whiteley. I'm not sure. The, the director or the writer for Shit Godzilla and the director mm-hmm. is the same as Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes, Neon Genesis Evangelion people. So, Luke, get on that shit. 
No. And it really is. It does feel like the like the guys that behind me are just. <laughs> that's so good. That's that's awesome. That is. I'm not. I can't even. How can I even describe how that feels? Um, it is know, complex. Look- it is complex. Is that that's the way you would describe that show? I think also complex it's, is a nice way to describe describe that show. Yeah, this movie is complex too. This takes place modern day. There's a modern day version of Godzilla attacking where we have nuclear bombs and stealth fighters and shit, um, and a more of a like texts and telephones and emails and shit. Um, this entire movie, ninety percent of the movie, takes place. In the bureaucratic offices of the people that make shit happen, the people that make the decisions that lead to, you know, diverting Godzilla from this province to this one, to uh, finding the right people to uh, stage the the mass uh, evacuation of this province, or the people that send the tire fighters, or the people that talk to the embassies of France or uh, United States to send in their people to help and fight this monster. You know, like it's very, it's not political at all, but it's almost like a paper thriller. This is a paper thriller in a Godzilla movie. Now they do show Godzilla and Godzilla does fight. I'm not saying there's none of that. There's for sure Godzilla Godzilla attacks. There is Godzilla attacks. I mean, in the movie, it's not like there's nothing, but man, it is, it is great. It is a it is a fun watch for sure. It's hard to keep up though because you know, especially since it's Japanese, you have to read it all. So you, there's a lot of reading. It is complex. You meet a lot of characters. You meet a lot of like this person's meeting is having a meeting with this person, and be, the results of that meeting leads to uh, another group of new people you've never met met before, and they're talking about uh, like okay, they, we just got approved based on the last meeting you just smash cut from. To yeah. to this this new console of people trying to solve this problem based on this Godzilla thing, and they have to solve it, and then that meeting goes like it leads to meeting, it leads to other <laughs> late night meetings in province, and like ramen eating in their desk and shit, and sleeping there. Like it is high tense, but like all dialogue, almost. I mean, must have been a fucking book that script. It was a book. There's no way it wasn't a fucking giant book. And that's why I think I feel it feels right that Neon Jones as Evangelion people wrote it because mm. it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I do recommend it. I did. Uh, this is my second rewatch. Like I said, I'm only mentioning it now because of uh, Godzilla minus one, and I wanted to mention to you guys because I own it now, which means you guys can watch it now. Um, yeah, Crunchyroll if you wanted to watch it too. Oh. oh, that's great! I didn't know that. I'm glad it's getting more hate now. Well, well, you type it on IMDb. It says streaming on Crunchyroll, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What the?" And then yeah, I, 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 I see that here. Sure. I see that I, here on IMDb. Yeah, I, I looked it up to make sure, and I was like, "There it is." Yeah. Oh yeah, you're 100 right on that. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's going on with that movie. It's really good. I highly recommend it. I don't think personally that I mean they're both very different. Godzilla minus one and this one, they're very different Godzilla movies. Um, but I do feel like. Uh, this one is much more packed and both good ways and bad ways, maybe because there's a lot going on. Anyway, I recommend it. Like I said, Shin Godzilla, watch it. Uh, next up for me is what is it here? Oh, I saw Dream Scenario. How was that? Oh, the... have you guys heard of this movie? Yeah, yeah. I've seen the trailers. You seen the trailers? Luke said, Rob, Luke seen said the trailers? he wanted to watch it. I haven't seen a trailer at all for this. I just seen the poster. So, oh, so uh, so what do you know about? Do you want me to spoil any other premise for you? Or I have no clue much? what this movie is about. Do you want me to spoil the premise? You could you could tell me the premise as well. Okay, because I mean, it, I mean, you're saying it could be interesting. Oh, my virgin know. ears! <laughs> yeah. no, oh, my freaking ears! Right? That's yeah, yeah. Simpsons. Anyway, 
A hapless family man finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. When his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, Paul is forced to navigate his newfound stardom. This is written and directed by Christopher Borgli. This is a Swedish or Norwegian filmmaker. Uh, movie stars, of course, Nicolas Cage. He's back, baby. And this is like Nicolas Cage. Imagine Nicolas Cage in adaptation. I think oh, both yeah. of these movies are a great pairing. They're both very different. But his acting, his, uh, the persona he's inhabiting, like the the dumpiness, maybe the weak-willed kind of person that he's that he's in the, both of, in the adaptation is very is quite similar to his uh, his Paul in this one as well. Um, this movie is really good. Um, I do have one huge problem with the movie, but I think I'm alone in this. Because grand majority of people that love this movie really love it, and I understand why, and they're saying shit. Um, so uh, what I love about this movie is that it's not about the supernatural element at all, in the sense like, yeah, this man that no, most people don't know, right, this professor in some little town somewhere in America, he is appearing in all these people's dreams across the land, right? Okay. For, and he's doing nothing. He does nothing in those dreams, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it obviously. I was about to say, them. I was like, like what though? You like just, he's walking yeah. by while they're getting murdered or while they're uh, <laughs> talking to someone. Like it doesn't matter. He doesn't do anything. You know, he doesn't help participate or you know. Um, it starts to irk him to the movie. It's, oh, it's it, funny. It's some funny ass scenes watching. It, like, it's like dreaming about an NPC, and then you're like, why? Why? In a way, that's not wrong. Uh, so the movie it's uh, it's more of a, it uses this uh, concept. As a metaphor for uh, dealing with uh, being popular or popularity or stardom or anything like that, or infamy in general, fame, infamous. Um, it's about that. The movie's much more about that. And it has a lot to say about it. And I think uh, all of the stuff that it has to say, I found fascinating and very prescient in many ways. Uh, not prescient, but uh, true and interesting. Uh, not prescient because it's not for, you know, it's pretty much well, well known by now. Um, and I, it uses this as a way to to put this person through the ringer of stardom in both good ways and obviously very bad ways because there's a turn in the movie that I won't spoil here that uh, gets really the ball rolling on some of this shit. And there are some real uncomfortable scenes in this fucking movie. Ooh, some uncomfortable scenes. Yeah, Gotta I say. see uh, my boy Tim Meadows is in it. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows, yeah. Um. So I really liked the movie. Uh, what stopped me from loving it is that it was so close from saying something truly awesome and original about infamy and about the nature of our need to be popular and wanting to seek that out. Even if you were a completely born, raised adulthood of never being popular, but you get it suddenly and how that changes your worldview. Uh, I don't want to say instantly, but kind of feels instantly um i feel like the movie gets so close to getting deeper into that into that topic and it retracts for me for me it takes a step back instead and chooses to stay on this one level that i wish it went deeper so i have a question so that was my problem with the movie 
Yeah, yeah. Is so it purely me? Do you think I should watch this? Movie no, I think you should watch it. I think it's still very good. I would watch the movie again. Like, I don't think it's bad at all. I just feel like that's what keeps it uh, uh, keeps it from being a four star for me because I feel like it it held back still, even though it had all this interesting things yeah. to say. I feel like it could have gotten way Damn, deeper. Did you watch everything? Sorry, I'm just looking at your list. Yeah, I, I went to this a lot. <laughs> Sorry, getting yeah. that AMC, you know. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, bitch, because like, I'm about to yeah, pay for like, shit. <laughs> I mean, I did, but... <laughs> right, 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 right. But it does seem like a dollar. You know, yeah, I know you guys don't buy movie tickets for other people because you guys are loaders. But um, yeah, we're loaders, right? No, I know that. Luke, I guess I'll walk it with my roommates. With though, days off, but heaven's yeah. Anyways, besides the point. Um, besides that, I, I, because I go to the, I go to the movies with my wife and my son a lot. And I'm like, man, I'm like, $30 I gotta pay for like just these two guys. <laughs> these two bastards. I'm like, what the fuck? You're not gonna even appreciate the fucking movie anyway. <laughs> right, right. I'm, then, I'm yeah. like, I go, I, I pay I pay less than this for me to go more. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I do feel like I should buy it for my wife, but at the same time, I'm like, I know she doesn't go more than like once a month, so there's really no point. So. Yeah, I get it. Um, all right, so next up here, uh, I know we're on a bit of a time crunch. I'm just going to move on here. I saw uh, another movie in theaters right now called Eileen. I saw oh, Eileen. Right um, a woman's friendship with a new co-worker at the prison facility where she works takes a sinister turn. This is uh, directed by William Oldfroyd. Old, what's his name? Hold on. Oldroyd. Sorry. I had an F there for no reason. Uh, this is a filmmaker I'm not familiar with. Um, based on a book, it's my understanding. This is stars uh, Thomas and McKenzie, who is Eileen in the movie, plays Eileen. Shea Wiggum is in this movie. And uh, Sam Devola, but also, very importantly, Anne Hathaway is in this movie, too, as, like, the new co-worker, the new blood, the new damn yeah. dame. Not damn. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Shit, damn more importantly, Jefferson White's in this from, uh, hmm. what's it called, Yellowstone. Anyways, continue. <sighs> Such a dad. Um, so I saw this movie because I saw I saw that it was uh, making some people top ten. I never heard of it, of course. So I was like, "Oh, Eileen!" And I saw that it was in theaters. I'm like, "Fuck it." We saw it like in the Watch middle of everything. the year, I think, didn't we? I might have seen it. I, no, it, it looked we, a little we familiar. We saw a trailer together, and I remember because I'm looking at the the synopsis now, and I'm like, "They think this is the movie." And me and you thought it was going to be uh, what's it called? Uh, what's that movie? Uh, Single white female. Man. It looked like single white females. No, me, it looked like, like a Harley Quinn movie, movie, like because uh, we were watching it. Oh. Was it a Harley Quinn movie? Uh, oh yes, yes, I remember that. I remember that now. I remember that. We, I said it was like, is this like a Harley Quinn origin story? Because it's about a psychiatrist yeah. in a prison, right. and like she's new, and I'm like, okay, right. we see where this is going. Right, right. That's it's exactly not that at all. It's not that at all. It couldn't, all right. couldn't be farther from the truth. I no, thought no, they were. I doing, remember saying that. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were doing a Joker version of right of Eileen, like a serious hard knock version of. Right, of uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not that at all. Although, I mean, you could still kind of you know, retrofit it if you want it. Um, this movie, I was like, I, I like, I was like, oh, this is a very interesting kind of slow, methodical period piece slash, uh, I don't want to say biopic because it's not a real person, but interesting study into a look of this character, Eileen, who is living a very interestingly loner life. And uh, working for this prison, being shanghaied by or shackled by the responsibilities of family and the uh, constraints and trauma and the fucked up nature of the family that's cons- keep- keeping her in this town and in this job. And in comes this dame and she is in love. 
and more like in lust, I would say. She's not sure what she is, but the movie is about that and about trying to, she's trying to develop something with her. Like, yes, yes, I'll be right there. Yes, how are you? You know, very much like that. And the movie's very slow to get there. But there's a turn in the movie where, like, the sinister part of the synopsis I read that I didn't see coming because it really comes out of nowhere. Like, the movie is one thing. And then there's one line of dialogue, and the movie becomes something completely different, you know? And oh. I kind of liked it a lot. I found that the ending, um, I swear to God, this is the anti-Luke movie. Luke never watched this movie. Oh, God, no closure. Yeah, there is not the way you like. <laughs> I love that ending, though. I love the way he did it because, like, this is the portrayal of a certain type of person, and the way that that type of person finally, like, hung, like decides this one thing. I felt yeah. it very, pro- very powerful for me watching it in the theater. Of course, watching it and watching her do that after the horrifying events that happened right before that and this trust that gets kind of broken i'm i'm very i'm being very cryptic here but like and like i fell for it i like i was i was with the movie not every lockstep and everything like i think the movie elevated when that line of dialogue that changed the movie from a drama a period drama a sad period drama to a kind of a thriller um and i liked it a lot so I, I liked it more than I expected. Uh, as more as I think about it, I liked it a lot. And I was thinking, the second thing I thought was like, Lou will hate this movie. Lou would <laughs> utterly hate this Isn't movie. Isn't it funny how like, I, I, leave a, I leave a movie a lot and I always think of what you guys are going to react to also. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got that movie. And then last but not least, I saw this movie today. Or I finished it today. I saw Fair Play. Has anyone heard of this movie? Obviously not. Okay, we should have. It's great. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you should have because you're in a movie podcast. Anyway, an unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink, threatening to unravel far more than their recent engagement. Written and directed by Chloe Domont or Domont. I'm not sure if she's French. There's no accent. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. She made movies or shorts. I mean, this is basically her first big movie because I haven't seen any of her other stuff. Um, she did some shows, uh, episodes of Billions, for example, on Showtime, which I've never seen. So um, this movie stars Phoebe uh, Dinever. Hmm, I'm going to go with that, Dinever. And Alden Ehrenreich. Everyone knows that name? Alden? I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't Played know. Solo in the Solo movie? Right. Oh, yes. I think it's Phoebe Dinevor. Dinevor? I think it's Dinevor. I'm pretty sure I'm not right. I hope it's Dinevor because that's probably I mean, more I think Dinevor is Dinevor. Yeah. No, Dinevor sounds like a sounds like the bad guy reptile dinosaur villain in a movie <laughs> or in a cartoon series. Yeah. Oh my god, Dinevor's attacking. Yeah, know? yeah. Like, Sorry. It's not great. Uh okay. This movie is hard. It is hard to watch, man. <laughs> I'm not this gonna lie. Yeah. I'm looking at the the poster. Kind of want you to see it with your wife, Rob, just to oh. see what happens. Because obviously, you guys are never going to be in that situation anyway, so you should be fine. But like, I kind of want you to see it with her, but also just see it by yourself. Um, it's as far as like contenders for top ten, because all, all I'm watching is trying to see all the movies that I hear about that are great, right? Of course, That's great. And this is one of them, and I can see why people are saying it. It's really hitting me. It's fucked up in in so many. Interesting and super obvious way sometimes. It is 
you know, so it's a fall. It's about the it's about the fall of a relationship and whether or not it actually falls to completion, whether or not it falls to dismay in a very dramatic way or in a very uh, low key way. It's about the how that I'm not going to spoil, obviously, but obviously also uh, I won't actually tell you if it falls for real or not, because I'm not going to spoil the fucking ending of the movie for you. But I will say that it is about testing the relationship hardcore um, in ways that it never had to be. So as I just said in the, in the description, these, this couple are a power couple, essentially. They're working uh, in the same hedge fund company, financial shed, financial firm in New York, whatever, the rich people. And she, uh, what, so two things you got to know. One is that they are in a relationship in secret because it's against policy Ooh. to date each other, right? That's one. Like a big, big, big down, like a big no-no, big frowned upon. Like you know, they would both yeah. get fired, you know. Okay. And the other thing is that she, and early in the movie, she gets a promotion that he was expected to get. Oh. Ah. Oh. Now you see what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah. Then oh, you yeah, can I either predict the entire movie or watch it and watch exactly what not to do. If you're a man in the situation, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, the movie primarily follows her point of view. I would say Emily, the character, Emily over Luke, but both of these actors are really not what about me. Movie. Not you. His name is oh. Luke. In the movie. <laughs> Alden Ehrenreich plays Luke. Um, they both are really knocking it out performance wise. They're really good. Alden Ehrenreich finally gets a good chance to make another great movie because I don't know, ever since Solo, I feel like he's been in and out. Nothing, you know, um, poor guy. I wish he had a bigger career. Anyway, so but this, yeah, but this movie though, man, dude, I can't believe it. And it's so obvious and I've seen it so many times and yet it's not because the way it happens, of course, is unique to their scenario. Um, and the movie is, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional fucking Roller coaster, one hundred percent. So watch it with that in mind, please. Do not watch it if you're in a bad state with your current partner. Maybe. Um, okay, and awesome. that is all. I've. Uh, that's what our recent discoveries. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna review our first film. This one was elected by Rob here. And what movie is that? The Boy and the Heron. Mm-hmm. Stay with us. A young boy named Mahito, yearning for his mother's ventures into a word, world shared by the living and the dead, there death comes to an end and life finds a new beginning. A semi-autobiographical fantasy from the mind of Hayao Miyazaki, directed mm. and written by obviously, Hayao Miyazaki. Um, this I don't is like the, the last sentence, though. <laughs> Sorry. I know. It, it, is a, it is a weird one, right? Yeah. Um, this is The Boy and the Heron. Um, that last part I didn't no, I kind of figured, but I didn't know. Um, right, it does right, feel right. like it does feel very much like a story, um, a, a, a story uh, set in the real world, but made fantasy, uh, fantastical. Um, what's it called? I saw. I tell you the voice actors, but I saw mine in Japanese, and I'm not about to butcher names. So, um, so my first impressions of this movie is um, I felt like I needed to watch this movie again um, because I felt like there was a shoe. I was waiting for a shoe to drop. Um, and I did feel like normally when I leave, when I'm watching a uh, Studio Ghibli or specifically a Hayao Miyazaki movie, 
Um, I'm I'm usually getting to the point around halfway or closer to end of halfway. I already know what you're trying to tell me, and I felt like in this movie, I had I didn't know what was trying to be said. Um, I didn't know what my message was here, and I did feel like I'm looking for it. And maybe it is this whole like I've seen so many movies of his now that I'm just like I'm waiting for that shoe to drop, right? And I'm just waiting for like this. Where is this thing? And I did feel like, where is it, right? And leaving the theater, um, leaving after the movie, um, it left me asking more questions than I than I thought I would have. Um, and it did leave me like, is this what you were trying to say? Are these where we're trying to explore? Um, what? And obviously, I'm trying to without uh, spoiling anything, of course. Um, and I was very curious, and I I did go with um, I did go with some people and. Um, they felt very much the same way, and I thought it was I thought it was crazy, um, and they felt very much the same way, and kind of kind of relieved me, but at the same time, kind of also made me worried um, because I was like, "Well, this isn't what like I normally expect from a Hayao's music." Mm-hmm. Um, but then asking questions um, like um, like what what events or did, you know kind of going into it, like I said, kind of going to spoilers, so without without spoiling it, um, I kind of think i figured what the movie's about and like we'll get to that a little later um but i did feel like i i should rewatch this movie um like sooner than later um i just didn't get a chance to watch it before the podcast again or else i would watch it twice i was trying to watch it in english to be honest with you because i heard the voice actors are pretty good in english as well so real quick did you say you did uh you didn't expect this from the miyazaki movie or you no, did i i did not expect that i did not expect to That's feel that okay. usually I, I, around no. halfway a little bit past halfway yeah. i know what you're trying to say i know what he's trying to say i at least know the you know the bones of what he's trying to say i and this one i was more bewildered than i normally am now that's just a little preface to say obviously the visualization in this movie is still fantastic in comparison and what we're expecting and what i expect from a studio ghibli film um mm-hmm. it still looks fantastical um it obviously like the art design and everything else i thought um also we're still stuck in the world war ii era of um of stories and um which again is fine that's the kind of stuff that he's into uh and he wants to tell stories from which makes sense it's like a very important part in their history and kind of like stuff after world war ii and like new stuff that's coming out and also blending of the old and the new right um, of uh, of rebirthing, right? In uh, from from the World War II era, um, after war. So I like the stories, and I said I I know he's been trying to focus on like this, like that autobiographical stuff. He's into stories, like get into like that from the from actual people. So that's cool, um, and I like that. I like a lot of that stuff that's going on overall. Um, I did feel our main character, uh, Mahito, was a little also like stoic for most of the movie until, and very quiet also. And uh, I'm sure purposefully. Um, but yeah, but besides the movie, besides that, I just did feel compared to his other movies, I am, I was a little bit more worried on that end. Um, so I literally, me, it left me, like I said, it left me overall with more questions. Um, I think I left the movie like asking questions, like I said afterwards, feeling like I did know what it what it is, and we'll we'll get to that, like I said. Um, so as of right now, I feel like it's a good movie to watch, but I could see people going like, "Eh, sad to say," um, leaving this movie. So. All right. What did you um? 
What did you uh, think, Luke? Honestly, I'm in the same boat. I thought I was crazy because when I because everyone's been raving about this movie, and I was really weirded out by it. Yeah, I heard it's also like one of the best, like one of the biggest um, audience uh, American audiences movies. For- it's the biggest movie he's made in uh, for, uh, his release in the United States. Which uh, money wise, has made the most here, yeah. and a lot of those people are younger than us. I want to see it. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Which, again, makes sense. Um, the, I the anime, children either. They're like 18. The, the, anime, the anime genre and the Japanese just anime, obviously. Um, the What's called genre is just insanely popular. And it just makes more sense why why it wouldn't make more money now. Also, Honestly, this, that's the one thing that all three of our films have in common. Is that they've made uncharacteristically a large amount. Uh, they have a, a large amount of audience that they, they've never had before. That's, that's, yeah. that's All three cool, of our actually. movies have that, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. It you is. were saying, Luke, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, no, but um, I felt very overwhelmed watching this movie. So many things are just like popped in. Like, here, here's this, here's this, here's this. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa slow the fuck down. Like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, I, I, like, given this is going to be like, it's probably like a movie directed towards children, there's a lot going on. And it, it just needed to pump the brakes a little. Yeah. So it was like literally new thing here, new thing here, and it's, oh, we're done with that. We're gonna move on to this thing now. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, it is very much. Um, uh, uh, hey, this is going on now. We gotta go. Hey, now this is going on. We gotta go. Right. But it's funny because I did feel like the first half of the movie was slow, or and like at least the first third of the movie for sure felt slow to me until it finally once it gets to it, it's just like hey, go, hey, yeah. go. Hey, once go. the acid hit, <laughs> right. you're gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Oscar. So I love this movie. Shocked. I was not lost at all. Here's why. Um, I'm gonna. So I had a also shocker. Fuck you. You should love movies. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, obviously, I don't mean fuck you for real. I kind of wish you all loved it more. Uh, or, or, or yeah, again, I'm not saying you guys don't love it. I'm just saying you guys were a little more lost and stuff. Um, so a friend of a friend of the show called Greg, named Greg here. I work with him. And the day after you guys saw it, because you saw it together, right, Ralph? Correct, yes. He was like, so did you see The Boy and the Heron? And I'm like, yes. And I love it. And he's like, oh, like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you guys what I told him roughly. Sure. I'm not word for word or anything, yeah. but pretty much. I is that you're going to tell him what I told him. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> is that, um, well, then I'm surprised you felt that way for the movie. Anyway, is that this is no surprise from Hayao Miyazaki. He's always done this. Um, my neighbor Totoro has basically no plot. Yeah, there is no fucking plot. There's no, there's barely a plot in Spirit Away, guys. Go back and re- watch that movie. There is no plot in that movie. It is just one thing after another. It's always been that way with his fantastical, especially children's uh, tales. Um, Kiki's Delivery Service. It's just like a a fun, wholesome day to day of Kiki. It's uh, not yeah, like it is, but it feels more contained, and this thing just like blows up. Yeah, no, Kiki. this is this is also contained. Spirit Away is hella the same, but yes, this movie it feels Spirit Away is much easier to follow than this one. No, I think it's much easier to follow because of when you saw it. It was probably was that your first? I mean, it was my first I probably exposure to Miyazaki. The Spirit Away was your first, it my first. Not. I'm pretty sure oh, it, was. No, it, was no, it was not. It was not. mine, was Mononoke. My ours was ours was mine on Oak House. I would wait. I, me too. Yeah, I read. I, I don't remember I, that. I read. To the, I read to this movie when we were blockbuster. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember or watching it right after Kiko and, 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 I remember seeing. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember um, 
I remember watching this in theaters. I thought that was my first exposure film. No, we did. We did. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I re- I'm. I know for sure. I read. So I would say that Mononoke and uh, no, not Castle and Sky. Although sure, Castle and Sky a little bit. Uh, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind have more of story, a yeah. more of like a story, story. More yeah. of a, about. It's more of a uh, a story. You know a. What do you call it? It's uh, it's analog to a lot of our day problems and a little See, bit political, but not really, but you yeah. know, a little bit um, in different ways. And his other movies, like I mentioned, Kiki's Torturer, this one, Spirit Away, specifically. I'm sure there's at least one more. Um, he, they're just they're to- they're tone poems, guys. They're not like they're mood setting things. They're not meant to be taken. Pl- they're not plot at all driven. No, like, no I, there's I no rules that you have to follow. There's nothing explaining anything. Um, no, it but, is, but but it is trying to say something, right? So like, so this is this is yeah. the, the issue in this movie is like you usually and like this is where I felt the mm-hmm. issue with the movie is usually by a certain point in a, in a movie, and this is why I'm telling you, I I I know I've watched all of his movies. Like I haven't seen. Well, well you, the way you guys are saying it, kind of, I'm surprised that you guys. I'm saying because no, I, I, I know I know what I know what to expect from a Hayao Miyazaki movie. Like I just I mean I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying what I'm telling you is that in those other movies that you're saying, I I don't disagree with you. And compared to this one, this one takes a lot. Like it takes a lot longer to to try to relay its message. In what it in comparison, like for Spirit Away, you get that message like halfway in like you know what's going on. actually you kind of get like the whole story of you know the gluttony and everything else what's going on and you know just trying to fix the issue that's said right away the uh-huh. wind rises is a movie that's immediately told about the no issue that's, a that's, that's a straight that's story just a straight story right exactly story. so that like, that's like almost like hard the opposite. to say right exactly oh, i get that right. like um there's a couple movies like that with like pocoroco and stuff like that Grim um, with the fireflies <laughs> that's not him that's not him but yeah that's the same studio same studio yeah it's um, not the same thing, but okay. He's like saying every. No, 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 no. I know it's not. Yeah. It's not him. But the, he there is, is the studio. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's not exactly a falsity. Sure. No. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's definitely on his. So the second he dies, I don't know what they're gonna do. Right. Because uh, the guy died. The guy who did Great with Rabbis has been there for a couple. Like House Moving Castle, you could say it's probably very similar to this, right? Where it's like it's just a fantastical story, but it is also about like finding. Like it's uh, you you get you get the premise of it right away. Um, and like in this one, I think because there is this, like, I just want to know what it's more like a sense of wonderment of like, I want to know what's there. Right. Yeah. Uh, boy in the Heron. Mm-hmm. But really that's in comparison to everything else he's done. It's very, it's very light in, as a, just a thing to go through. You get what I'm saying? Um, and I think it's, well, and like I said, we'll get to more of the message. And I think leaving, like I said, asking the questions and leaving the movie, I I felt overall fine. But it yeah. is during the movie is how I felt. That's how that is how I felt watching right. it. And again, maybe I'm just hyper aware of it. And I, well, I, I was gonna say that I think this might be a uh, a symptom of watching. You know, a, mo- a modern day cinema is very plot driven. Yeah, more than than when we grew up, guys. More than the '90s. More than even the 2000s. Yeah. Um, I, I do agree with you. Also, say with I don't have a lot of examples off the top of my head, but it's definitely all the best, quote unquote, the most prominent films, the most prominent films that we've hailed, not just the world or critics or audiences, but us as well, have are like very plot driven, and um, you know, and uh, it's like how well they did it is what we 
find the differences in, right? But like, and I think that when we see something like this, which is a rarity nowadays, more of a rarity, and it's possible because we're older, and uh, there's a maybe there's a there's a there's a saying about there's something about like as we age and logic takes over, you know, the our kid inside us dies a little more. I'm not saying all that, but something like that that could be another symptom as well. That could be something else that's happening here that we just are not understanding very well, but. As I'm trying to be self-aware about it, I went to this movie. I didn't say, I mean, I didn't go in there thinking that this is going to be similar to Spirit Away. I didn't know what to expect. I knew, I saw that one trailer. I knew nothing, you know? Um, And I should say, I saw this with the American cast. And Robert Pattinson is a fucking awesome heron. (laughs) I'm just going to say. Oh, is that who voiced it? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I I also saw it in Japanese. Yeah. I know you both saw it in Japanese, I'm saying, but I just. As the Lord intended. You know what's so funny is that I talked to somebody. As the Lord intended. I talked to somebody uh, outside Mm -hmm. of. uh, Outside of uh, from work, and uh, they were like, hey, "You watch the boy in the hair," and I was like, "Yeah, dude, I heard the the voice acting." They were talking about like, all these actors, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I I have no clue who voiced them in English because I saw it in Japanese, and they were like, "Oh," and I was like, "Yeah, like I'll get to it eventually in English." Like they usually do really great casting. Right. Um, well, this is one of the times where, like, I didn't, like, fight, not fight, uh, didn't, like, immediately try to only go for, because I usually go for the original language of it. But I know that uh, with Miyazaki films, like, you know, they're pretty great in English. Yeah. And honestly, it worked out with a better time. There was a later time, and it was like, ah. Oh, yeah, for me, actually, for me, it was the opposite. The Japanese time worked better for me. So. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how it worked. Um, anyway, back to the, the film. I... I honestly, I understand what you guys are saying about it. Even you, Rob, specifically when you're going into the differences between this tone poem. And it's not a tone poem, but I'm just saying it as a as a, as a shorthand. Um, the difference between this latest tone poem of The Boy and the Heron and like a, a earlier one, Spirit Away, feels um, like it was even more harder to discern, harder to navigate and, and pace differently and all this stuff. And I'm telling you guys that I felt no different in this, in a good way. And in, in, in a good way, in the sense, like this felt just like those, like a me. warm blanket. Like is it that, did I'm feel expect, that way. I'm expecting a nice, I was just like, nice I let, I let go and love the heron. Like I sure. learned to drop, you know, whatever the saying goes. Um, I learned to stop worrying and love the heron. That's yeah. You know, you know, and, it's, and it's, it's hard for sure to not yeah. be, um, to not be or be in that moment and be in that feeling, and yeah. then like, like I said, I was just waiting for the shooter drop and just kind of like, hey, like, just let me just enjoy this. Like, let me just watch this. I feel like his I'll movies are very similar to like uh, Abbas Kiarostami films, where like also there is a plot, sure, there's a story, okay, but it's just a sense. You just feel your way out of there. I would say, if anything, uh, it's more of an emotional plot, and I think the emotional plot of this movie, The Boy and the Heron, is in your face right away and sure this guy this kid is much more stoic than Chihiro right in Spirit Away and other things but like but that's the way he is and I feel like that's where the autobiographical part is in because I feel yeah. like the boy uh, is yeah, Miyazaki yeah. I mean oh you think the boy is Miyazaki well yeah that's why he's obsessed not obsessed yeah. but that's why he's very interested in that time period because his uh, he had relatives if not I think his father in yeah. some way related to the events of World War Two and nineteen forty something, you know, the forties. Yeah. Oh, can can we just like, mention real quick how ostentatious that house was, by the way? Like uh, <laughs> how uh, elaborate? And, uh, yeah, it was just yeah. like you came in the front, like the or the, yeah, the it's a big house mansion yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. it was. It was a mansion, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, I feel like they were living in the guest house in the back." I was like, "What the fuck?" It seems like it was two totally different houses. It was, yeah, yeah, it was like insane. Yeah, well, that's, I know. I would say one of his special qualities is that he makes he makes um, 
he makes it feel like every character, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how little you see of them, they are living in their own movie. Like they're yeah. so lived in, as fantastical as they are. From the parakeets to the old ladies, like hawking cigarettes because the cigarettes are rare. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's very well lived in. Like they're oh, yeah, having sure. their own entire I, movies going on there. I will mention one thing. Have yeah. you guys ever, uh, did you guys ever played Inokuni? The mm. video game? I know uh, of it. I've seen it. Wait, so is it's, that a, the one? it's a Studio Ghibli. Yes, uh, Studio I played the Ghibli first one. adapted a game. Or not like they're the ones who did all the artwork. Yeah, I put in like a hundred hours in that first and game. story. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So that house that he's in felt similar to his house. This house. This one. Um, I'm trying to think of which house. Not his first house. house for sure. No, the main house he's from. Like the house that he lives in the town. That he's in the. Is it in, that in, elaborate? In like the city? It's not, no, 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 no. In the city, just like the, the actual house. Yeah. That, Compared to the guest house where he sleeps in. Oh, or, uh, okay. That that's the like it's just a t- traditional in Mahito where he sleeps, where they all sleep. It just looks like a oh, okay, house. maybe yeah. It okay, looks a little bit like it. It, it gave yeah. me the same like resemblance of it. Now yeah. I could be way off base and it could be look completely different, but right, right. Why reuse assets? Yeah, sure, sure. That's not why. No, I'm sure that's not why at all. Apparently, the this is like it took a long time to make this movie and finish it. And um, I heard uh, that he, you know, kind of shared some of the glory of this movie, which is unlike his uh, work in the past. Um, he had like different animators work on different things. Is what I heard about. I mean, um, I, it makes sense. You're you're older at this point, right? You you can't yeah. do the whole thing for yourself. So yeah, yeah. Um, he's no spry uh, young chicken. So also, he's got such a specific art style that people can probably just do his art style like you know like you you can copy it to the point where like oh well we know your art style so we can we can do it like this and he can give like the final say if it should be how it is you know yeah and also like um you know his his movies also his children's films which i would consider boy and heron being one of them of course is that they're definitely more mature for children's films and that's always been true from mononoke to all of them oh for sure yeah it's interesting because i've always Except for maybe Totoro. I've seen, yeah, except for Totoro. I've seen every, all of his movies that I can think of. Um, And and luckily I've seen him before, like watching any of them with my son. But I I almost feel like I should vet them all before I show them to my son. son. Um, Just because like, are you ready for this? Like, are you, are you, are you going to go in and be like, it looked cool. Right, because this, the the, I mean, this this boy, and we, we, we're not really talking about the movie as much as uh, we should probably, but this boy is having a real tough time. And that's, it probably, like, it definitely reinforces his silent yeah, mystique. But you honestly, know, uh, I think he's at the, I think, whatever. I think 10 to 13 is a great age for these movies, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I discovery. And my son, no, because you know what's funny? Like, you, you find out, like, my, my kids ask all these questions sometimes about, like, um, uh, just like how things impactful or meaning things, uh, things about with meaning, and you're like, just like she's trying to figure things out, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, and he's going through himself with some stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I can I can see him going through it, and I can see him trying to like process it for himself instead of just like, you know, mm-hmm. why do I feel like this? He'll just kind of inner do it, and I'm like, oh wow, like you're doing your own things now, you know, like you're. You're no longer reliant on me reacting to something or me giving you the answer for everything. You're also looking inside of yourself, you know, um, which is like around the age of you're starting to do all these things, all these things. I think also like nowadays we do it a lot younger. Our kids do it a lot younger. They grow up a little bit faster. But yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. Or at least it feels that way. It does feel um, that way, for sure. I mean, at the, I'd say, yeah, at least. I mean, I definitely don't know. Um, yeah, but I think this boy is definitely going through a lot at the very opening of the film with the fire and the way that's, like, envisioned mm-hmm. also is very specific. Also, very different art style for him to use in the beginning of the movie. That's what I'm saying. I think very that's a different na- animator right cool there. That's a different animator. Yeah, you but know? That's, that's, that's different, but also... No, it's good. It works. No, no, no. So what's so cool about it is that I immediately knew it's either depicting a flashback or depicting a memory and how it's drawn. You don't even have to say it's a memory or say it's a flashback um, of like how he's, how he sees it. Even though we see it in the moment, like that's just, that's his memory of it. There's nothing else to it, you know, Um, in that art style. It's like everything else is just a blur. Because yep. of that, all the just faceless space, and it's it's so interesting that just changing an art style can give so much more meaning to like to the scene. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> question: yes. I, was, I didn't get this. After his mom is whatever, I don't want to spoil the, it. the movie. Dies. Yeah. 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 Uh, is his dad's new squeeze his mom's sister? Yes. yes. Okay, no. I wasn't crazy. Making that's sure. why. That's why Please they look so the similar. Family. Yeah, that's why they look so similar. Keep it and in the family. Yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's that's fucked up to us for sure. It's, uh, it's not like Killers of the Flower Moon. Them. Didn't that happen there too? Yeah, in very different ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very different ways. <laughs> Because in, though, in, in, in those other. examples, the father would have to have murdered the wife, and yeah, 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 you know, no, 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 the the other guy who had the legitimate wife, okay, kind of loved her. She died, and he went with the sister. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in on it. That's that's the whole point of those. That all the white guys was. were in on it for the inheritance. Okay, we're gonna move on now. Yeah, we are. Um, different yes, yes. Uh, anyway. Yes, that's what happened in the in the film. Uh, you're right, Luke. Um, I, I think that uh, this movie. Uh, I think where. So I want to ask you guys about the magical stuff in the movie when it's introduced with the heron. What do we think of the heron in general? And what? Like, I'm not asking you guys to explain the movie because there's really not much explanation in it. But like, what do you guys think is going on with the heron? What is uh, the emotional point of view, or not, not point of view, the emotional reasoning for uh, the Heron bothering this boy and why the boy decides to go along with it. Is it... Um, because he, uh, he says it. I know it's a lie, but I have to find out. Right, about the mother, right. Yeah. But, like, what do we think of the Heron itself? Is it, like, a force? Is it, like, an analogy for... Like um, some hope that doesn't exist, you know? Is it? Uh, I'm not saying that this magical setting that we're in is not real. It is real in the movie for sure. It's a real thing, but um, but it also works both ways, right? It works as a thing too. Like you know, it works as a as a way to get this kid to. I don't say get past it. That's not the right word, but like emotionally, you know, go through his own demons kind of thing, you know, because he is definitely missing his mother. He feels like he, I don't want to say maybe he failed there. I don't know if he feels that way, but maybe like that, right? I, I thought and, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, like he failed her in some way and that he's in this like strange land and doesn't know what to think about it. There's definitely an emotional plot for him and there is very a lot of points to him as well. Like, and then he, before he gets to the world, 
we encountered this heron. And my thinking of this heron was that it was pretty mischievous the whole time. And that it felt like that, like that, that was the one character in the movie, the one element in the movie where I didn't know enough to like ascertain some sort of like point to him. Like, why was he giving, why was he helping him here? And why was he trying to stop him here? Why was he taunting him in this scene and then asking for his help later, you know, 20 minutes later in the movie, you know? Like, it felt like that was the one weird thing about it. But, um, you know, uh, there's many viewpoints of it. But in my opinion, like, you could say uh, there's, a, there's a point of view people could have about the heron being the alternate version of the boy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mahiko, right? And Mahito, um, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and how it's like a different version of himself, right, as the heron. Like, what is the, I don't know any significance in poems or whatever about what a heron really means in Japan's culture or anything like that. So I, I can't say that. Yeah, right. But maybe I, there is something there about that, too. I don't know. I, I saw the heron as, like, sort of a bully, right? Like, um, as of, like, this, uh, this, like, why are you, um, and it felt like this also, like, I felt like it was reinforced in the beginning. When um and this is all beginning stuff, so I might say him, where he goes to school and he you know he's kind of like the left out one or not the left out but he's the new person right, so he's very much the the outsider right mm-hmm. yeah um and the heron's also like very much like well I'm gonna you're the outsider so I'm gonna kind of like come at you I'm gonna like I I'm your I'm inqu- we're inquisitive about you right um yeah it almost felt predatory a little bit it, it did feel a little bit predatory right and it also felt like um like hey um why aren't you like this? It felt like it was like picking at him and saying why the kids were picking on him also to begin with. Right. Although it does feel like he picks on the kids at one point. Also, I, that was a weird, like little scene. Um, we got to dish it back, you know, he picks where he picks a fight. It looks like he picked the fight on purpose. Like he, like there was a fight, like there was words said before and he came and he's like, I'm going to resolve these words, you know, kind of situation. Um, uh, yeah, we don't even see the interaction really. No, we don't, right? Exactly. Right. We just see the after effect. And um yeah, but it does feel like the heron is more like uh like why are you here? Why are you like this? I'm gonna pick at you, I'm gonna prod at you. Why why are you so quiet? Why are you this? You know, like kind of situation. And then obviously it ends up being like the um the the whole um catalyst. reason attached to yeah, right, the catalyst <laughs> to this uh world that he uh introduces him to. Yeah. Was that wait wait was that a question? No, nope. that wasn't a question. Okay, nope. what were you saying? Okay. I was just saying. Yeah. Okay, for a second, I thought I was like, oh, did I miss the question? Um, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I mean, is there even a? Sp- I'm not saying we shouldn't go it. We should do it, but like, what is there to spoil about this movie other than I guess how we felt? No, I guess how we felt like how the whole thing ended up, right? But like, is there anything you guys want to highlight in the? From the art of it to um, the world building itself, do you guys find all that any of that interesting? I will say he. I found it confusing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think I. I don't think I said I was confused. I was. I wasn't confused with like the plot overall. I was just. I like of the movie. It's just very point by numbers of a adventure kind of story, you know. Of like it needs this needs to happen. I'm going through this. I'm trying to. It is like he is like he. It is kind of like 
why am I here? But he's kind of, it's always been like that, right? I'm doing this and you enter this fantastical world and you're like, man, I'm just like three levels deep and you're like, holy shit, what's going, what's going on, right? But it is where like, this is the world. This is the world we're in. And I don't need to explain to you the world. We're just in it. Um, that's that's fine. Um, it was more of a, like, what are you trying to say? That was my my loss, not of, of the movie overall. Um, he loves birds. <clears throat> and this movie fucking pronounces it. Because uh, the heron obviously looks fantastic. And then eventually with the transformation. But just like these parakeets or whatever um and yeah just like all these type of birds like birds in his movies he always does like a bird type of a bird type of uh character or anything and i just and this one is like heavily pronounceable holy shit is there birds galore um there's those uh swans the seagulls the uh pelicans the pelicans right and all the all these things so yeah that's a that's a big one, and then just yeah, I think he does it really well because that's hard to do with the feathers and um, just the art style. Just like they're so intricate, they can be so intricate, and I feel like also like with the parakeets, it felt so easy to do compared to like the hair and who's so much more delicate to draw and show. You know? Yeah, I also has like a, it's a lot of um, like you could have made a, a very nice bingo card on Miyazaki tropes in this movie. Yeah kind of cleared all of them or most of them like the cute little creatures they're in this movie too they're the 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 unborn children souls right that oh, scene oh souls no, not sperm right Whew, no you. not sperm <laughs> i mean but they were yeah, super i mean let's say the double entendre right there but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were super cute though um <laughs> and obviously shown in a little bit of a fucked up way right because yeah. of all the, all yeah, the yeah. swooping birds you know, coming to eat them like like by that point, the movie has thrown you so many like answers and riddles to things that we didn't even know were answers or riddles too. For sure. And I was like, I was just like, yes, show me something else I've never seen, please. Yeah. And <laughs> um, you know, I was like really into that kind of thing. Uh, uh, we should get into because spo- I think uh, what we're having trouble with more than even thinking about the movie is finding our way. Uh, my myself included, finding a way to to relay what we actually thought about this movie in this review. I think we're kind of meandering a bit, so I think we should get into spoilers yeah. and see if we can uh, touch base from the ending and go away, maybe work our way back a little bit um, and see how we feel. So, spoilers for the boy and the heron, starting right now. Okay, so um, what is the point of the movie to you, Luke? By the time it ends. This kid accepting his real life versus some fantasy world. Excellent. Not wrong. Um, do you feel like there was anything else besides that? Not that there has to be. It's not a trick question. No. I mean, I'm, it's kind of like a coming of age thing, but I mean, that's pretty obvious for this kind of age thing. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's coming of age. I, think I would say Ponyo is way more for coming of age, but you're yeah. right. There's still a little bit of that. You're yeah. Right. Well, I think I think it's more coming to uh, understanding, coming, coming to gra- grasp reality of like his situation of hmm. I lost my mom. You know, my dad's um, fucking my mom's it, sister. It, my my dad's fucking my mom's sister, right? Um, but yeah, no, but it's like I lost my mom, and that obviously that that obviously affected me a lot. And I have so much pent up anger. I have so much. Um, I I'm so mad about things. I'm so disappointed. I feel all these things. I don't know who to talk to about it. My life is moving forward, and I don't want to move forward. And it's very much like 
life is moving forward without it, without you, right? Um, and you're you're stuck. You're, you dream about it. You you wake up doing all these things, you know. And it is very much like I I need this kind of closure of like like my life needs to continue, and I need to just appreciate what my mom was. My mom, and it was a horrible accident that she died. I will yeah. throw another one in there yeah. and say that he was also afraid of showing emotion to anybody else. Oh, yeah. That's why he's by so the end of the movie, he's movie. very, yeah, that's exactly right. He's yeah. very cordial, very polite, painfully yeah. polite also, even. It, it did feel like, and this is very, um, and again, I think it shows also this, just how Japanese culture is, right? And it's very also um, like, you know, because the dad's very much like, well, she's your mom, so you're going to call her mom now, right? Really? Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, yes, sir. Like, you know, like very much like. I'm just going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to be respectful about it. But at the same time, it's like this, this woman's here for you. And she's showing that she wants to not replace your mom, but she loves you. You know, she loves you in a way as that she's trying to show you that she's not there to replace your mom, but she's also trying to show you that I can be a mom to you in a different way, you know, and I want to show you my love and affection. Right. And I care for you. And she, this is all shown at the beginning of the movie. I think that's why the movie's so slow paced in the beginning. Right. Um, just to sh- or slower pace in comparison, just to show those things, um, and then what's it called? And then, then towards the end, when he finally figures out, like, Yo, well, you are you, you are my mom. You 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 do everything my mom used to do for me. You know, you still you love me. Like you love her because obviously you're you're still related. And we're my aunt, right? Not weird, but um, <laughs> and uh, you uh, you obviously care for me, right? And I. I should care for you too. And I do care. And I obviously, cause I'm doing all these things for you, you know? Um, so yeah, he comes to that realization. And when he finally comes to that realization, it's obviously a bigger deal. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Cause like I said, I, that's what I thought. Like everything led to the movie. And I, I know I'm right. Like I knew I was right. I was just leaving. Well, anything you feel is right. That's the wrong Sure. Yeah, it is. The tourist right extends right. Of course. Oh well, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and you, you're you're always right. <laughs> so it was, it is those weird. It's funny because I, I had, I asked like all these questions. Like, are you saying this? Are you saying that? And I was asking these questions when I saw the movie with Greg, with Greg and Danny. I saw this, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Greg felt very much the same way. Like I, I don't know. He goes, "You're asking more things than I do." And I was like, "Yeah, I think you just got bogged down with something else." I go, um, but yeah, it was. I guess it's just. Maybe it's just where we where we are in our times, right? Um, how we interpret it. But overall, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't dislike the movie. I didn't say that at all. I just no, right? It, yeah, I just think it was a different. Um, it was a. Right. Bla- so yeah, I, I, a I would different. say that the the emotional hook of the film it worked on me about as much as I, I understood it. Um, from the get go, in in the overall sense, it's not like I was weeping with the movie or anything. Like yeah, that. it didn't hit me like that. Like other movies have for sure. Uh, not many, granted, not many in my lifetime, but not, it's not like that. And like I said, this is and also this movie. That, you know, doesn't seem like it's. Uh, it would hit me that way, no matter. You know, it's not like it's meant for me in that in that sense. Um, so I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna lie and say like, oh, yeah. Um, understanding it, and I'm trying to understand it at a deeper level is by not trying to understand it at a deeper level, like watching it without trying to decipher any of it. I know it's hard for us to do, including myself. Uh, I went through some of those similar questions throughout the movie, uh, but not many times. And I just, I mean, my mind was like, oh, let go, let go, let go. Letting go is much better yeah. in this kind of movie. And um, and it's not like, 
uh, it's not about tying things together. It's not neat. It's very much life and messy. Uh, as messy as those bird shits at the end of the film, you know, where they have <laughs> and yeah. the big emotional so finish. Um, especially, oh man, that great animation uh, scene where they're going through the portal into the real world. They go from big parakeets to small ones. Yeah, That was such a cool visual uh, flourish. It was really great. There's a lot of that in the movie, for sure. Uh, a lot of work. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of animated work. A lot, a, that paper scene? Oh my god, that paper scene with the mom, or the new mom, um, was so elaborate. So elaborate with those papers. Yeah. Just saying. It makes that scene of Naruto with that paper girl fight scene with... Uh, oh. Look yeah, like yeah. shit. No offense to Naruto. Animators. The pain thing? Yeah, the pain Leave thing. Leave it. <laughs> what the? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, he definitely hits those tropes. Right? But I love how that scene, the emotional big finish. Uh, it's it's happening while they have a ton of bird shit on them. Yeah, you know, like I think that is part of the Miyazaki thing is that also he's not. You're not coming. It's not going to be clean. It's yeah, never, you're not coming. It's up. not clean. Like you'll, you'll see. A pretty brutal death, even within nature, not just within oh, a villain and a hero. You know, it's not. It's just. It's it's one and the other. They live in, in the same realm. Um, these parakeets are taking over, and sure, they breed and multiply a lot more, and they have a king within them. But you know, they're also part of the nature. They're not just the antagonists. You know, they're not just the the the, the reason that it's all collapses. It's not about that, right? Um, yeah. It just leads to the the finale. It's like the the more the emotional payoff, a big emotional payoff in the movie happens so quickly that you could miss it. It's when um, Mahito calls the new stepmom mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think he acknowledges that that's what she's trying to be for him. Right, um, but the fact that he just got there by himself without yes. really oh, thinking yeah. about it—that's like. Because he's putting on this line and himself on the line for it and rescuing her and, you know, going there. It's like he starts going, he goes to this world or follows the heron for one reason and ends up leaving it for a different reason. Like, um, right, one is because he's tempted into, the you know, this the heron fucking saying, like, your mama's not dead. She's alive over here, you know. And then the movie ending with, like, God saved my mom, my new mom. Not, not like that, but you know what I'm saying. And that's like part of it. That's like a, it's a tender thing. Again, I didn't weep about it, but like it was, it was cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, this movie's pretty good. I, I definitely want to rewatch it. I like or Facts. love all of his movies. Um, yeah. And I really want to rewatch it to just like, not to like cement my thoughts on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more like, um, is it, is it if I watch it the next time, am I just going to be able to just kind of enjoy the ride? Right. You know, and this, it is one of those because I, I think every of his movies I can just are so rewatchable that you just you can just kind of go and enjoy the ride. Yeah. And it's such a fantastical thing to watch. And you can pay attention to like, I didn't even notice that detail was so cool over here on the right. side of right. all these, you know, little things. Um, there is a lot of that in, in a Miyazaki film. So uh, that's another, another reason it is. Uh, I, I did have like those doubts, but. I I mean, it was doubts in my own head. Really, is just on it. It was I coming off of it. I kind of like I said. Like I said, once I asked those questions, I kind of got my own answer to the movie. So, right. Um, what did you guys think of the time travel aspect of this movie? You're talking about the doors, right? Yeah, the doors, and just the fact that 
it's like she's encapsulated there. So because he's like that, I guess that's like a time travel safe zone or whatever. Or like I did find it interesting. It's or very maybe uh, yeah weird, a little weird that um his reaction to seeing his uh, a younger version of his mom didn't like mind blown him. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think uh, there's like a there's a sense of he is also kind of going with the flow and saying like that that's not the mom I know it's uh, yeah. it's a uh, my age version of a mom that has fire magic you know yeah um that was yeah. interesting that's a bingo card right there use of fire gotcha right 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 you think of um, the the fire spirit in Howl's Moving Castle right you think of um, I forgot his name sorry Lufuser I think of. Some weird variation of Lucifer, but not yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're all right. I think it is Lucifer. Calcifer? It's Calcifer? No, Calcifer. Actually, that sounds right. Yeah, Calcifer. That sounds right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I, I was. I don't know what to. I mean, there's no. I can't explain it. I'm not. I'm not gonna try. I guess, but uh, I would say that um, I thought. I thought it was cool, and like, I like how they, like, she goes back, and it's funny how it feels like a a doom approach that. Her relationship with fire is what ends her life, right? Mm -hmm. And it's something that we don't know throughout the movie if she knows it or not. Yeah, right. And that's interesting. I feel like maybe our rewatch could cement that a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. That's another reason. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was there. Yeah, because those doors were like uh, points in time. And right. I, I'm a, and of course, this is very loose because it doesn't get explained at all. Um, a lot in, doesn't get explained at all. Sure, sure. But um, points in time. Listen, uh, I watched Loki recently, and that's just a fucking mind bender as well. So, and I've seen also, uh, what's that? Uh, bodies. Other, anyways. Yeah. So I have a lot of that going in my head right now. And uh, a lot of those doors are very much, um, uh, I feel like points in time in the uh, lineage of, so you can feel theoretically pick any body's life. Um, in point in time to go, as long as they're in the, the lineage of the, the blood lineage of the uncle who who, who did the whole thing. So. Yeah, I mean that was uh, wasn't that um, uh, Skywalker was his name, the actor. Which one? Color. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill played the grand uncle as a what? voice. Mark did Hamill. He? Was oh, the, did he? Yeah, I think that was him. Oh, hold on. let me look. You can look it up, but yeah, um, I hate that it doesn't have it here. Hold on. It was pretty cool, though. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mark Hamill, yeah. great uncle. Yeah. And Florence Pugh was Kiriko. Yeah, uh-huh. And William, Def William Defoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they brought cast. back the cast for The Lighthouse for this yeah, movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I think, uh, I mean, I, it seems like we all recommend it, even if I don't entirely understand it. Uh, I feel like that's what we're all saying. Um would you watch this movie again, Luke? I, I have to. All right. Rob already said he would, but you would be down for it, right? It's not like, oh, yeah. like I you're dreading it. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I did see a video of uh, like Pat, Pattinson uh, like, so, like, uh, trying to get the role for the heron. Like, mm. We were looking for another role. He's like, no, I already did it. Like, I just need to like, he's like trying to get like, I need to be a dog next. Like I've, I've been, I've been all these other roles. Like, I was already a vampire. I need to do this. I was already this. I need to. Now I'm a bird. Well, have, what, you, seen, have you guys seen that lighthouse? Anyone? Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Okay. Did we review it? I don't think so. We might have. I think we. I don't know it. if it was a full review or if we. I just think we missed it. it. Right. There's a scene, epic scene, where he beats the shit out of a seagull. <laughs> 
Be- like ever loving beats the <laughs> shit out of the seagull in that movie. It's funny to think back on it. It's a it's a funny scene in the movie too. Don't get me wrong. It's a little funny for sure, but it's wrapped around a lot of once serious it, weird. Yeah, I was about to say once right. it does it, yeah, right. And I'm like, is that was that his like his resume? You know, for his <laughs> for voicing yeah. the heron. And, sure, right. sure. Makes me wonder because he w- he would do the same to that fucking heron. He would beat the <laughs> shit out of there. Like, Why do you hate birds? Yeah, <laughs> it's because um, birds aren't real. They're spy devices made by the government. Anyway, I'm I, glad this movie's making uh, a lot of hay in this in, in the United States. I'm glad. Uh, obviously, he's been always re- well respected by uh, you know the cinema community in general, but obviously a lot of uh, his own country, Japan. And I'm glad to see it here more. And yes, it is a testament to uh, a lot of uh, the youth, uh, starting from our age down in age, uh, embracing anime or animated things from different cultures, specifically Japan, of course. Um, like the amount of people I've met, and there's not the fact that there's more than one that have binged the entire One Piece in one year is insane to me. You know, <laughs> like that is some dedication. <laughs> Um, out of nowhere, and they're so much aware of all these things that uh, you know. It's just this is part of it, yeah. and it's really cool to see. And with uh, that in mind, any last thoughts on this movie? Yeah, I didn't know how intricate the policy the parakeets were. It's like they have a king. Like yeah, when the king yeah, was yeah. parakeet society. The, 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 when the king was introduced, I really felt like I missed the fucking scene in the mm, movie, and I yeah. was like, "Did I miss something?" No. And I was like. No, I I just think this world's so established that we just it doesn't care. Yeah, to tell us it's anything. so established. They even have spikes in their own land. In their own land, so they <laughs> don't climb up there. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I, it's so funny to see all that. I'm just like, they look dude, deadly as fuck those spikes. Yeah, they really did. And it's just so funny to see it. And I, I was like, what the fuck? And it's funny because I left the theater and I was like, yo, so what's up with that parakeet? <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 All right, so that is our review of The Boy and the Heron. Um, check it out. It's still in theaters. Uh, they ex- extended it, too, I think. Oh, nice. Uh, to keep it. It, to, same thing like Godzilla Minus One, by the way, which is our next review. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, was, I shouldn't have said it that way because I was going to ask, oh, whatever. We can cut this out. No, 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 no. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to review that movie I just mentioned, which is what, Luke? Godzilla Minus One. There, now my... My life is complete. Stay, Stay in Japan. Us. Stay with us. Post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a gigantic monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb. Ooh, baptized. Jesus <laughs> baptized yeah. I didn't know that's how it was said. Hey, how do you like your beef? <laughs> how do you like your new built city now, huh? Well, this is Godzilla minus one. Mm-hmm. Original title, Gogeta minus one. <laughs> you know? I will say, I'm like, if he's going to say minus one in Japanese, I'm fucking ready for this. Yeah, fucking ready for this. Anyways. Okay. It was Gogeta Minasu One. Oh, okay. It's the one? W A N. Well, one, yeah. All right. This stars a bunch of people I don't know, so I'm gonna butcher a bunch of names. <laughs> hey man, more power to you. I didn't do that shit. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, Ruff didn't you skip them. Like Hamabe, 
Ryunosuke Kamiki, Sakura Ando, Kuranosuke Sasaki. I don't know. Oh, Michael Arias. There's a there's <laughs> Michael <guy>. Arias. <laughs> yeah, it's Arias. Yeah. Anyway, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I was. So as soon as as soon as we saw this, as soon as I saw this movie, I think we were about to record like a segment of our podcast, and I was just raving about it. I was like, "This is going to be definitely making my top ten list." So I had to make you guys watch it, and I loved the fuck out of this movie. And I am not a Godzilla person. I can honestly tell you, the only other Godzilla movie that I've willingly seen Matthew Broderick was is that the one from the two thousands? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not Godzilla two thousand, but the one before that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I always forget Godzilla 2000. I don't remember any of that. I know I saw it. No, I, I know it came out. I, just, I, I never I've saw seen it. more Godzilla movies than I need to, but yeah. yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I haven't seen all of them, but yeah. But yeah so I never cared about Godzilla in any way, shape, or form. And I just happened to see this trailer. You don't like the... Dun, 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 dun. Never seen it. <laughs> never seen them. Never had any appeal. But I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, this movie seems really good. Maybe I should go out of my way and watch it. And I did. And I thought it was fantastic. That hard for you to do, though? Shut up, you. Okay. I mean, it, was, over it seemed like it was a very limited showing at first. Oh, I think it was. I mean, well, yeah, so, yeah, the, the week I saw it, the next week, they were like, oh, we're adding like two weeks of yeah. time. And I was like, oh, shit. This movie's obviously doing really well. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I felt like it had the tropes that it had to have. But it did it so well that it made this the movie work just great. So I really like this movie, and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. Mm, Oscar. Yeah. So I saw the movie before you even fucking put it on the show. Uh, not because of you, although you helped, for sure. Your <laughs> recommendation of it does help. Um, you may be piss poor at explaining why you like a movie, but you are good choice. You do have good chase in movies overall. Look, um, and I, I and am, I, very, I am I value- touched by that. <laughs> you heard the wrong part, right? Okay, yeah, you <laughs> really <laughs> did. I really wish you heard the other part <laughs> of what I fucking said. You literally heard one thing, and then everything else fucking white noise. <laughs> white, white, white it's noise. it's a, it's like Polish the, white noise. It's the feedback sandwich, you know. Uh huh. Oh my uh, god! Back on track here. Um, I did see it uh, before uh, they extended the stuff because I thought I was like, I need to see this movie immediately because I'm going to. I even went to the theater. There's a theater semi near near us, me, a little bit more. I'm closer by a little bit. Um, in, 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 uh, is it Skokie? No, it's not Skokie. It's the other one. Niles? Niles, Niles yes. Well, there's a heavy Asian population there. So they show all of the. A lot of the Asian, you know, from South Korea to Japanese to Chinese films, like first run is there, you know, yeah. like if you want to catch a good, you know, pulse into a lot of films, Hindu also, um, you go there, go to that one. Wow. And Luke, uh, come on. <laughs> and anyway, and um, so I went to see it there. There was plenty of showings or enough for me to find one that was best for me and did not regret this movie is. I agree with Luke. It is a lot of fun. It is also very touching. It is impactful. It is emotional. It is it's doing what... You know what? I think I'm going to say this, and I think I'm right. You know, I, I, I haven't looked at the list of the years movies we've, uh, we've seen or covered or there's been out, but this might be the best 
action movie of the year, action adventure kind of like movie of the year. It does it really that well where like it knows not just what it's doing within the genre of a monster action film, which it is. It is. It doesn't. It definitely has a lot of Godzilla in it. Has a lot of destruction in it, but it um it backs it up completely with what all of the American versions of uh, and other Japanese versions of Godzilla have failed to do with, which is like the human characters. Like what are the humans fucking doing? Because you can't make a movie where it's a mindless creature roaming fucking like you can't do that. What are you doing? Godzilla's not being shown. Show right. us. Give a, you give need us to, a- where's the gravitas? Where's the emotional payout? Where's the, where's the meaning and the deaths? All we see is the great destruction. Spend all the money on that, but not anything relating to that. This movie does that in spades. I highly, I completely agree with what everyone's saying about this movie. This movie is fucking great. It is a lot of fun. It is, like I said, emotional. It gets you there. Um, yeah, I had a blast with this movie, and I can't wait to watch it again. I yeah. mean, can I say it more simply than that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, well said. It's um, you can call this movie um, Ko- Koichi and My Nightmare, uh, you know, whatever, and then be like, "Oh shit, Godzilla's in it!" Because really, like, Godzilla's so it, just because it's Godzilla movie, almost people have like a like a it's like there's a gravitas to it, right? But it's so much more than that. It's so it's so much more of a a, a story of. Um, of a post-apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic post uh, post-war post-war yeah um so you very see post-apocalyptic right after <laughs> right literally very post like and uh and just to, like it's it's a godzilla movie but it, again it's really it's really not it's about all these you know these human elements and just going through life and dealing with stuff and it's it's such a great movie it's such an elevated movie of a type of godzilla movie that you just never would expect it just happens to have godzilla in it it's like really weird, you know, um, and and it just it kind of shows that you can make a movie like this with a gigantic monster creature and still have a really good movie, have a really good story, have good character development, have you know like all of these, all of the above. Check every fucking checkbox, and uh, just it just goes goes to show you when you have a really good story and you do, you're willing to put the work in. Um, and also, like the, I heard, the funding for this movie is like so low that like what fifteen million? I think. Yeah, I, I was going to say nine, but yeah, fifteen. Still, still really little. And yeah, I mean, they, compared they, to how what, we spend money here, yeah, yeah, right. right. And what they did with it, you're like, Jesus, that's it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, everything, everything you you guys said, um, I'm really glad I watched it. It is one of those like, even my theater was like a little bit busy when I went to go see it. So. Oh, mine wasn't unfortunately, but it was like uh, a quarter, maybe full. Oh. So not as bad as uh, others for sure. Um, yeah, mine was. I would say half. Half. Yeah. How about you, Luke? I mean, you start first. Sorry. That's uh, busier than I expected, to be honest with you. So, granted, I went to see it. It was one of the smaller screens at the theater. Okay. Likewise. But there was a furry convention going on and I don't know if that added to the crowd, but this is one of the cr- most cr- like crowded movies I've seen this year. Really? That wasn't like a huge blockbuster yeah. type of Did they deal. take up two seats? Yeah, that wasn't Oppenheimer no. or something? No. The Oppenheimer was the busiest one for me, and Barbie. 
Yeah, yeah, those those, those were yeah. Barbenheimer, right? Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm so glad this movie's getting a lot of hate, and I agree that I mean I, I heard that um through the grapevine that the filmmaker for this movie, you know, uh, this was tapped to be made uh, a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, and the uh, the filmmaker's like, we're not ready there technology wise. Like mm-hmm. he wanted to wait a while for the story to flourish. Yeah. And that wait was great because there isn't like I didn't feel like the movie never brought me out of it with its technical aspects, with its uh, I don't want to say just the Godzilla rendering, but let's say that with the none of it looked flimsy or weird or fake, and, and I mean I was unrealistic no matter what, but like it never took me out. Is my point? I think it did a really good job of blending in. Uh, you know, the stuff that's fantastical with the stuff that's real, you know, yeah. but quote unquote real is what I mean. Meaning the, the people, the things that require just sets and actors and stuff. Um, you can tell there's an appreciation here. I mean, just for, sure. for, for sure. Yeah. Hundo percent. Um, so uh, ultimately it's, uh, this is the, the reason this movie's done really right is because uh, it's, it's Godzilla as an analog for guilt. That's what it is, hmm. right? Uh, the movie opens with this. What's his name? I'm sorry. We should get all these names right. I want to get. <sighs> oh boy, is Koichi right? That's the main yeah. character, right? Okay, I want to get Shikishima? it right. Shikishima. What? Yeah, oh yeah, Shikishima. Um, Koichi's. Um, it starts off with him being a fucking. Uh, what do you call oh, it? Uh, he's a deserter. Pilot. Deserter. He's a deserter. No, he's a deserter. <laughs> he's 100% a deserter. kamikaze pilot. I mean, on the, final, on the final days of the emperor's reign in Japan, right, for when the world ends, oh, the world, uh, World, world War II ends, sorry, um, he's fucking has this one crazy mission where he sends all these kamikaze pilots to their death. That's what, that's what they're for. Um, and this one doesn't go there. He complains of fake-ass uh, malfunction and lands on a... Mm-hmm. On a like a little shitty island, Odo where, Island. Oh, right. To wow, that's good. Uh, where um, to repair it ideally and go back to his mission, maybe. And uh, but no, it's all fake, and everyone understands. But that's like that shame, and you don't have to be Japanese to understand shame like this. By the way, this is universal no, you don't. shame. This is universal shame, hundred percent universal. Um, the shame of that is immediately right there in his face is right there as the mechanics are realizing what's going on. Right. When he's like, Hey, this fucking plane is tip top. What are you, what are you doing? Right. You know? Um, but they also understand. Right. And then the real shame comes in and that's where that's, it's the same as the analog for it. Like the shame that he has that brought him there is the same, that he, the shame that he carries for the rest of the movie. And Godzilla is the embodiment of that shame. I just thought that was so, Effortless, effortlessly done. Effort, I mean, we have a, a young Godzilla, a kid Godzilla, really attacking this island. A young, a young stud, you know, a Godzilla Junior. Godzilla Junior, right? Um, and it's full of teenage angst. And as we well know, it's well in well known in the zeitgeist of cultural understanding, and not just in Japan, but hopefully the rest of the world, is that Godzilla is a product of the nuclear age. Yes. Right, that's understood very well. This movie does explain that, but it doesn't have to that much, and it knows it doesn't have to all that much because it knows. If anyone's seen, I mean, a lot of people maybe haven't seen the original Gojira film, sure, 
but like you don't have to by now. Everyone knows it, right? Yeah. And that um, to me. to the zeitgeist. World War Two, the efforts made with the, with this epic war happening, right, and these islands and shit is what created Godzilla or brought him out of wherever he, the deaths, right, and um, and that. And then, and the testing that comes on after that is the it's like it works both ways. It's like the shame of having the war creates the the impending doom for all this destruction. But this man's connection to him personally, even though Godzilla doesn't give a shit, is still just as impact. I mean, more impactful because we're seeing it through his point of view. And I just love how the movie just coincides those two things, like the the the, the universality of what we know Godzilla as and this new story we're seeing with this soldier deserter guy. Um, it's so good. Jesus. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. Um, anything you guys want to talk about there? Like, um, like, did you, um, were you guys have worried at all? Like, uh, like about the movie, like faltering at any point, things like that, because the movie follows a, a certain treadmill um, and not in a bad way. Like it, it works well within the tropes. It knows what it's doing. It doesn't want to repaint or redo the genre or the formula, right? Yeah. But like, you know, anything uh, you guys want to say there? We meet a team of people at some point. We have this new family that's all made up of different people. Oh, a little uh, makeshift family? Yeah, right. What do you think of all that stuff? No, it was cool how they kind of came together after the war. And yeah, normally these people probably wouldn't even have ever crossed paths. But because of the circumstances, yeah. yeah. Just happened. I mean, that- that scene when he goes back to his old neighborhood and it's fucking destroyed. Oh, yeah. Right, right. I mean, right. they really, they literally build up from there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is really fascinating to see that. Um, you don't, you don't think about that when it comes to rebuilding. You don't, not at all. Actually. Not, not at That's, all. I, I actually uh, was trying to think about that in other movies mm-hmm. or just in general, and I was like, I don't think I've, and if I have seen it, maybe it's been like in Ip Man movies that I can think of. Oh yeah, and maybe like, there. Yeah, you're right. Um, that's the only other times I can think of. So, yeah, yeah, we just don't think about that. We don't. don't. I mean, uh, I would say in this country we're very sheltered in that sense. We never really get that. We don't. Oh. We don't have that because uh, World War Two happened overseas for us. It wasn't here, right? You know, for one, and World War One as well. By the way, <laughs> um, basically all the wars except for the Revolutionary War. <laughs> uh, so that was the last time we did it. <laughs> Which is weird, and I guess we're sheltered in that way, but that's the way it is. Um, I, I like the makeshift family a lot. I, like, I felt very, it felt uh, organic, you know, it, did, it, felt, yeah. it felt nice. It was kind of pleasant and weird and awkward, and but, uh, you know, kind of like, it did like feel what the like, fuck uh, do you do? Day. No, it did feel like what very much you like, you know? like um, we were all, uh, we were all put in this, for this, almost like for this reason, for like redemption, you know? Yeah, right. Someone's got to pick up the pieces back, and he's part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys want to like? Um, is there anything like in the film, well, spoilers, of course, that you guys want to highlight as like um, some of the best stuff in the film? Like what caught your eye the most? Like when did you guys were, think that you were watching an awesome movie? Like was it right away? Was it like later on when pieces started fitting together? Anything like that? Damn, that's a good question. Um, and what? 
I think it was once he gets back home and he starts rebuilding. I was like, wow. Like, okay, we're we're getting like yeah. more than I expected. When he's the when he gets that minesweeper job. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, honestly, that might be where I felt that too, Luke. Because um it's not like I wanted this character to constantly meet Godzilla necessarily. But I was like, oh, this might be the one kind of job scenario that he would encounter a Godzilla again. Uh, the Godzilla, I mean, Godzilla in general, I mean, again. Or, like, be more in the wind of that kind of encounter, you know? Obviously, it happened a lot more direct than I imagined. Because he was like, that that fucking mind scene where there is basically Jaws. It's Godzilla and meets yeah. Jaws, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fucking Great. cool. That was fucking badass. That was really well earned. They set it up really nicely with the uh, with their little setup there, with the way they were taking down the mines and shipping them away. It's not like they just blew them up necessarily in the in the water every time. And like, I love how that is very well set up. Like it's like that's the thing about this movie is that the nuance isn't complicated, which is why we're having like you know it's not like there's a lot of like oh my god this one little one little scene explains all this much. Like no no no, it's very much in your face. It's telling you exactly what's going on. It's just so it's just so well told that you like Yeah, I don't need any more. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be an intricate movie. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, felt like the fact that we were getting so much more um and just like uh like the process of dealing with this guilt and dealing with this um aftermath and I was like, Wow, like I I expected this to be fast forwarded like 10 years or whatever already by now. Like I just, I really did. I just I didn't think we were going to go like through it and make it, make it feel like even more, you know, cause we already went through the ringer with him of desertion. We already went through the ringer of him, um, failing to protect, uh, you know, at the meeting of Godzilla. And now we're over here at the failure of having to live with his failures, you know, like, and just like, wow, like, man, we're really fucking going through it. So, Hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good stuff. Should we? I think we should get into spoilers probably early or now, um, and then we can talk about the rest of the film and how it all clicked in the end for us. So, spoilers for Godzilla minus one, starting now. All right, Luke. Would you like to okay. highlight why the movie is called Minus One? Actually, I was gonna ask. I don't know why. You oh, you don't said, know why? You okay, guys Rob. Said you guys saw. Oh, oh, I thought you were. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. So, Rob, would you care to highlight it? Tell us uh, I have why. My it's theory. Called. Oh, what's your theory then? Tell us your yeah, theory before. Tell us your theory we, yeah, yeah. First. I want to know. It's gonna sound dumb. No, it's no, not gonna sound dumb. You're fine. Dumb. Come on. It's okay. You Google it. Don't worry about it. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you can say something really dumb. I just don't think. So you I will, thought so. first it was gonna be like because it's like a origin story, but like a pre-origin story. But, not bad. Like, but they wouldn't call it a minus one for that. Right. Yeah. I thought the same thing, something similar too, until I read up on it. <laughs> I had to read up on it. It's not like I knew yeah. right away. Okay, it's not bad. It's not the answer, but that's not a bad, you know. Uh, Raf, tell us tell us why. Uh, my understanding, again, is uh, Japan just lost in the war, and now they lost again with Godzilla as they're rebuilding. And it's... Uh, they are a, uh, at a minus one in the uh, the victory and uh, it was not the victory in their uh, what's it called 
in their scoring system of the what's so there's going a score, the right, an imaginary scoring system yeah, of how well Japan's doing. Yeah. I guess so. Like they're not even at a zero. The war got them to zero because that's right. how bad they're doing. Godzilla just they, heaped up more shit on top, which correct. puts them into negative one <laughs> points. <laughs> that, that, it's a weird explanation. That kind of tracks, right? But, but it's like a it's weird though. It's a, it's a cool title. I like the title, and even the explanation more. But it's still hard to like. Relay why it's cool. Like it's hard to. I can't explain why it's cool. I just like it. That kind of explanation. So just in case you all were wondering, if you're still, if you listen to this part of the show still and you watch the film, why it's called minus one. That is the the essential reason for why. I'm sure you could find a better written version of it somewhere. But yeah, what we said is still right. Um, man, that attack, that major attack that leads to what we think is the death. Of Nodiko. Oh my fuck! See, but the thing is, Dude, the ragdoll effect. Oh yeah, holy fucking. Yeah. I, but I had a feeling after that happened. I was like, I have a feeling that she didn't die. You had that feeling. Did I had you that want feeling. her to come back. I I had a feeling she was going to come back. Uh-huh. But did I'm you like, want her to come back? I kind of did. I wanted that little makeshift family to get back together. Well, that's like that's probably all, the mark of a good movie. I would say they're just like you know they're like. It's like that family in Parasite. <laughs> They're not the greatest people, but they kind of work together. I don't even know which one you're talking about, but both ends. You're right. Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. Bob, what did you think? Did you, what did you think of that scene? And that, that destru- I mean, the destruction was epic. I thought it was... Um, yeah, no, the destruction was epic. You're, you're talking about the uh, impact of the scene, of like her coming back and everything? Well, yeah, the destruction of that new, newly built city and her... Uh, in Ginza? Ginza, yes. Yeah, I thought it was uh, for sure one of those. Uh, what's it called? It, it, uh, I didn't expect her coming back um, because I thought it was setting up that whole like him doing this kamikaze mission. But it was also like this nice like once once you find out like it gives him that reason of like I need to live for something. I need to like I, I have a reason to live for things. I have a reason to do all these things. You know. Um, and it, it is such a great like little thing to uh, like this almost like uh, you're saving your favorite chocolate for later, you know, and you're like, oh, it's so good. It's so good that it, that was there still. Yes, totes agree. Um, I, I kind of I didn't say I wish for her to stay dead. So here's my thing about the movie. The one thing I feel like you could one person could say one or the other and I wouldn't fight them on it is that. Did it feel cheap at all that she came back? No, I didn't feel like that. No, no because I feel like the movie did a really good job of, <laughs> of building yeah. this relationship that wasn't really an amorous relationship because of his guilt and self-hatred, right? Yeah. But, like, it's very honest and true. You just felt it. You know, having never been to war, I feel what he's, you know, I was relating to him a lot, empathizing with him and her a lot. Like she was moving on, like I'm gonna find a new job, so you can have time to find a wife. Like you, you don't need me around. And she was saying all this stuff. Like, dude, no, I was with the audience tonight. Like, no, come on, work. You know, like I'm not saying you have yeah. to, but like, I want to ship them. I want that. I want happy. And oh, yeah. you know, we sh- uh, yeah, I think we all ship them. Right. I think it's completely human to say that and want that. And I would say, I'm not saying you're a cold-hearted bastard if you don't, but you're closer to a cold-hearted bastard if you don't. You know, anyway, going back to the thing. So when she died, I was like, oh, man, just like talk about minus two, bro. Minus two. (laughs) Like even his work friends were like, wait, you're not kind of like, 
You're not together? You're not together? Right. Yeah. Um, What's wrong with you, boy? Yeah, they were taken aback. It's it's a legit thing to to say. Um, obviously, they they both understand, but also are not. They don't. I'm not saying he's gotten like he like uh, he. What his experience is is worse than what they went through. We don't exactly know everything they went through with the war and post war stuff, right? But like yeah. they they know it to be true that this guy is still in it, whereas they're not as in it into their trauma at least in a way that's portraying in this like heartfelt way you know heart-wrenching kind of way that's my it's it's very new it's like, that's a nuanced scene like for sure that's something i'm just getting from the in-between dialogue it's not like they're saying that at all you know or anything like that but they understand but they also like don't understand like it's like they understand but they have to also address that hey you are fucking this up if like how do we i mean like we actually stumbled into this by like wait you're not married but like we also got to address it a little bit in that scene right like uh, you know it's a good scene it's a really good scene like i think those are my favorite scenes is like this band of people coming together talking and this kid that's like wants to be so part of it so bad and they and the adults are like shut the fuck up kid and like and then also with the the wife in the background that kid with the cute thing and living and not living but like babysat by the the old hag across the you know like very like all that shit. I loved yeah. it. Loved it. Who called them out on it day one? Day one. <laughs> called them out. Second one actually. Like, she guessed it. She was like Sherlock Holmes. Like, are oh, you a God. fucking deserter from his yeah. non answers and shit? Like he just guessed the whole thing. It was almost like if you missed the beginning of the movie, she's <laughs> like your recap. <laughs> really. You know, that's how good she was in that first scene with her. Um yeah, it's just it's just so good. It's so effortless. It's just effortless, man. This, I, just, I just want everyone to watch it. Um, it is a lot of fun. Do you guys agree with my statement about like this being the the best action film of the year? Oh, I think so. I think. <sighs> I mean, I'm, I'm hard, Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else, but yeah, I I don't know. I that whole destruction scene when he comes into it and the heat wave is fucking fantastic, dude. Oh man, the way they. Show. The way that he like the the laser thing, what's it called? The dragon's breath, whatever. Heat, <laughs> heat ray, yeah. Super. It was so cool how it was like shown. How it was like he built it up, and it was great. It was just so cool. Um, comparing like this to ray. Shin Godzilla, they both work. They're different Godzillas. Yeah. Also, I love how they like they don't have they don't have this uh, this feel or this need or want to connect with any other Godzilla movie. This is just its own movie. Like it pretends like it both knows that Godzilla's exist, but yeah. it, it, it doesn't it doesn't acknowledge them whatsoever. It's its own movie as if Godzilla just appeared for the first time to these people. Mm-hmm. Like it's very simplistic in that way. Like it doesn't need to it's like watching Logan, right? And then watching the other Wolverine movies, right? It stands well on its own. Yes. I mean it's designed very to be much standard so. on its own, right? It's designed that way. Like, it doesn't give a shit so much about any other previous film, right? That's the whole point. And Logan didn't do it that amazingly either. It just did it well. Uh, again, it's been a while since I've seen it, but my memory of that, that's what it is. Uh, I just love that. I just, really good approach to this movie. It's just, yeah. Um, anyway, so when she came back to life, I, my my thinking was that when she came back to life, she never died. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, right, she, right. But for, to us, for she him, came back for to us, life. Uh, for, uh, for us, us too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So the obviously 
I'm happy with the decision because I want these two together. Okay, I want them together. But like, but I was thinking about it after the movie. Like, is that actually good or not? Is that cheap shot? Was that earned at all? And like, it was earned because he already went through taking down Godzilla. And I don't mean taking down Godzilla necessarily, but taking down Godzilla meant him overcoming Yes, for the for a large extent, overcoming his trauma. Yeah, it's also forgiving his himself, shame, forgiving himself, shame. I mean, shame Which and forgiving huge, yourself. Huge, yeah. Or the that's what you need to overcome. A it. Huge, Jake. I mean, just fucking like talk about through. stress off your shoulders. Not he only that, forgiving himself and also like others forgiving him oh, and yeah. like knowing the struggle. I mean, the mechanic yeah. is that anal- analog for him. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. by telling like, him. And I knew that was it, but when they did that cutscene where they cut away from him We've, about yeah, to explain the, the yeah, and I and I love that, and I, and I love which that. I knew it, was going to happen. I yeah, love that I knew this that, just yes. Japanese thing where it's just like, like it was well, just like this war thing. Like we we have so we've had so much death already, we've had so many losses. Like, like dude, you should you need to live. Like we can't afford to lose more people. We can't. Yeah. Like and it's just like I get it. I get this is shameful. I get this is hard on you and. Maybe a different me would have told you, yeah, go fucking die, right? Hmm. But in the current state that we're in and we're just we're just fucking taking owls everywhere, like really the reality is like you need to live. You've done enough. You obviously want to do you obviously it obviously bothered you so much to the point where, you know, you're doing this and you wanna do you know wanna you wanna pay your pay it back, right? But like no, like live. Like it's gonna be it's more important for you to live. You have more to prov- you have more do you do more living than you do dying, sacrificing yourself? It's you know, this movie is like a, a low key, anti suicidal kind of message to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because kamikaze that's what it means, and, yeah. and yeah. more than one way, right? And he starts off being a professional suicide person. Like, it's insane. It's yeah. an insane time. It was an insane time. Also, I got a uh, weird wind rises uh-huh. when he got the hundred oh, percent. Oh, thank God, hundred percent. I first one of my first thoughts watching the movie. Yeah, I'm like Jesus. That's this. I just saw the movie of the guy making that fucking design. He's like watching his fucking planes go down. Yeah, I was like, I was talking you know? about this guy. I was like, hey, I know the guy who made it. I know the guy about the guy who drew it. He's yeah. a very tender guy. I mean, based on that movie. Right. But um, wind rises, people, go check it out. It's an amazing movie. Um, I thought the same thing. Same thing, obviously. And the boy in the heron takes place around the same time. It's just like crazy, like all right. this shit together. Um, anyway, um, like, but this movie has like a real, like a very pro life, pro not killing yourself message that is not at all peachy. It's barely, I mean, it's not in there. It's not overt at all, like the rest yeah. of the movie is kind of. But you can see how he feels too. That's so yeah. human to show that, like. And people, I've seen it. Like he's he worked himself up to build a life to do all these things, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah he never pursued uh, what's her name, uh, Noriko. Noriko. Uh, he never pursued her. He never really admitted that he was the dad to the little girl. You know. Yeah. And like yeah. all these little things that he should have done, but you know he's so shameful and he's so you know in his own feels. And the shame is making him say things, regretful. Yeah, things, it really mean is. Things as well right, to the exactly. girl. To the girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's 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 a lot of that stuff, but. It's but he builds his life for himself to the point where you're like, wow, like okay, like you you've managed to do so much with this life that you didn't squander, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then to get shit on by losing her, to get shit on by just Godzilla coming in and doing all these extra, you know, all this stuff, and, and I I can see you just like, oh my god, I I took ten steps forward just to 
completely fall down the stairs, you know? And I'm like, I feel like shit again. I do all these things and, and it feels so human, you know? Um, all these, all these things. And it's, <laughs> I love it for that. Like, I love catching those things. And you're just like, man, it fucking, it just adds so much to the character. And I'm like, dude, this is such a good movie. <laughs> like, I, you're thinking about it. I, when I was watching it, I was like, this is such a good movie. Because you're like, how do you, if, it feels so human. It, it, none of it feels fake or forced. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, do you guys ever, do you guys think that um, maybe before we find out about the jump seat, right? Which is like, not at all. Like, I mean, we weren't fooled. I don't think any of us were fooled. We nope. did that cutaway. But let's say, which if for a split second, I was just like, hmm, I think. I he mean, ejected. did you feel like that he would actually do it? Yeah, hmm. I was like, yeah, he ejected. No, no, no. I mean, uh, did you feel like he would actually commit suicide? Oh, probably for real. Yeah, hmm. but he didn't have to. Oh, tell me why. Also, uh, the that scene when he has a picture of uh, Noriko, right? And I thought of uh, the "What's Worth Fighting For" the Mulan song, the girl, the girl I'm fighting for. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I, I thought of that too. Also, like I was like, oh wow, like that's not bad. Yeah, I was like, that's interesting. Yes, but yeah. Think of it as a girl worth fighting. Oh, you're right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anything else? I mean, so I so I don't know if I finished my thought, but it wasn't a cheap shot because he went through all that. He overcame it. Yeah. It was a lovely message just on his own without Noriko, which it, 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 I feel like it's even more impactful and meaningful for them to rejoin after yeah, all that. No, I, I think it's also like it, it, it works shows. so well that like I'm yeah. not fucking faulting your movie. You're that's great. No, love yeah, it. no, I think love it show it. it just shows like like you did yeah. work hard for this thing. Yeah. You do have these things. There's accolades for you. Um, I did want to ask you guys a question about Godzilla, though, because I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's literally the fucking elephant in the room that we're not even talking about. Oh, right, because um, it's not even a part of the. <laughs> right. It just is. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. It's so funny. I've been I've been telling people, I go, this is like just Godzilla. a plot device. This, I I, yeah, I really do, I really do say that. I, I go, this is a Godzilla movie without God. Like Godzilla is just there. Like it's just like it's just like added on. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. What did you guys think of Godzilla, like the creature itself? It looked like, like all of this scar tissue on him because he like hurts himself every time he has to do something. He like burns himself every time he has to do this heat wave. It does feel like it's acid reflux, like massive acid reflux. Right. It, it, well, it feels like it feels like he almost like kills himself in the process. Like all of his insides, but they regenerate. Like it's like he looked maybe like a lizard or something close to it at one point, but now it's just like all this burnt up scar of like, I'm just regenerating at all times kind of scenario. I, I really love the detail to the, to the thanks Oppenheimer. Okay. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Fucker strikes again. That's why his name will always be more famous than Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that earlier. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's very, very, very cool version of Godzilla. It's very, um, it's very bestial in many ways. Like it, I don't want to say it's territorial necessarily, but it's just, it is such a plot device. But it is such a, a cool plot device um, that it just, uh, yeah, we don't ever need to know his thing. Like we don't need to know anything about Godzilla, really. We never really need to. No, no, no. I didn't no, no, it's great. no I'm just, saying this movie enforces that. And I love oh, it. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. This movie enforce, enforces that, for sure. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Like I remember the Matthew Broderick one. There's children involved. Who like, cares? There's eggs. There's a Jesus. Yeah. Like right. So he's a mom now. Um. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a mom. Maybe. Asexual. Asexual. Right. Let's just can be that. Uh, okay. Uh, that is, I think that's it, right? And Godzilla minus one, guys. I mean, it's short I, enough. I don't know. Luke, anything else? Oh, yeah. Anything else? Fantastic. Go see it. Support it. I'm searching it's Amazon so funny that, for the Blu-ray to come out. So I yeah. I just so funny that the name of the movie, you're like, we took it out and then we took another fucking out. <laughs> like, just, it's like, all about taking L's, bro. Right. It's so funny. I'm like, fuck, man. We can't even get at positives around here. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, that's our review for Godzilla Minus One. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to review our last film of the evening, which is May-December. Stay with us. 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple buckles under pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. This is May-December. Uh, this is a, a film directed by Todd Haynes. Um, this is the, the the main reason I wanted to see is because I love Todd Haynes in general. Um, he's made films. He's made a bunch of films. A lot of them I haven't seen, but his big ones I have seen. He's made films like Far From Heaven, I'm Not There, Velvet Goldmine, and Carol. All of those I have seen, Carol and Far From Heaven, I think made my top ten those years. Um this movie uh, was also uh, written by uh, Sammy Birch and Alex Mechanic. Mechanic. Hmm. Um, interesting name. Anyway, this film stars uh, primarily three actors. Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton. Uh, this movie also has Chris Tensis. Tensis? Tensis? Oh, I can't say that. Uh, Gabriel Chung, Andrea Frankel, Mackenzie Taylor, Jocelyn Shelfo, Elizabeth Yu. Um, Mike Lopez and a few others. Um, I, I want to get that uh, that kid's name, her first kid, hmm. whatever. Georgie doesn't matter. Um, ladies, by Todd Haynes. My opinion on this, th- uh, my thoughts on this film, and I really wasn't sure going into it. I mean, just because I loved most of his films, particularly Carol. I love Carol so much. Um, doesn't mean that I love his next one. He's a very polarizing filmmaker. Sometimes is that I did love this movie. I really liked it a lot. Um, it's a movie that I feel may be hard to defend at some points, but I love all of the weird things the movie throws at you. Um, the curveballs, the tonal shifts, the piano in this movie is a character on its own. Holy shit, it is! Yeah, it is a character that is that's that is attention. <laughs> in the movie, I was like, "What the fuck." Yeah, we're out of hot dogs. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I was like, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> a little melodramatic. A little. Uh, this movie is hella melodramatic. Um, not like every minute, by the way. It isn't. It has its moments 100% in different ways. It's campy. It's, I wouldn't say romantic. Not that it doesn't have any romance, quote unquote. It's tragic. It's obviously dramatic. It's uh, it's self-aware. It's also very much, uh, it feels like, it isn't a movie about a movie, but it feels like one of those, right? Uh, with, that, with that strange premise. Also, based on real life. So, um, so I love this movie and all those things, all the, all the amalgamations of what I just said describes this movie 
uh, worked for me as a combo. It is really, I mean, it's really interesting and fascinating watching it. I want to see it again. I haven't seen it twice yet, but I will be seeing it again for sure. Um, actually, all of these movies in our review, I'm going to rewatch these movies for sure. All of them. I uh, can't, wa- can't wait to rewatch Godzilla and The Boy and the Heron. But this one, I feel like I would get the most out of a rewatch. Uh, I know that might not be what you guys think, but I loved it. Um, I, I want to ask about the true story stuff yet, not but not yet. I want to ask definitely oh, yeah, thoughts on the movie first. But wait, I didn't know it was based on a true story. Yes, I'll get into that in a minute. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, or not not in a minute, but later on in the review. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you didn't know that, so I, I feel I like I spoiled I... something right there. But whatever, no big deal. Um, Julianne Moore. And Natalie Portman, and yes, Melton too. But I would say the, the the two lead actresses, man, they're so good in this movie, acting wise. The shit that man, there's this fucking. I can't wait to get the spoilers for Natalie Portman stuff. But man, there is some really good fucking acting going on in this fucking movie. I I just loved it. I just I was a big fan. Again, it's very tragic. It's not like it's easy to watch. It's not like enjoyable in that way. It's enjoyable in some ways, heartbreaking in others. Uh, Roth, what did you think of May December? Man, uh, <laughs> I was thrown off at the beginning with the score, just in general, <laughs> like you said. Because I, I was well, like, hot we're not gonna well, have hot I, I started the movie right, and I was like, did I miss something? Right. I'm like, why is it so fucking intense right now? Yeah, and I was like, okay, is it just a score? I go, and I was like, all right, and then I got it again a little later, and I was like, all right, this fucking movie's for sure trying to say something with the score, right? Yeah. And I was like, I got to pay attention, right? So it was one of those movies. And I actually gave me a lot of Black Swan vibes with Natalie Portman in this. Hmm. Um, and like, just like how fucking intense of a role she needs to play for I'm a methodical actor and I need to like, or a method actor, and I need to get into my role and I need to get into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit, hold on. Uh, Sorry, and I need to get into this thing, and uh, I hit a button on my keyboard and fucked up my whole May December screen, um, and uh, and it reminded me of just like how intense it was for her, also for like just being into that role in Black Swan as well, of like being so just so in it. Uh, so I was like <sighs> watching it though, uh, seeing uh, what's her face, uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore in some of these scenes looks so old and in other scenes she looks so vibrant and like and it's insane uh there's some of the scenes especially like the main scene i don't know if you guys are on imdb like that just that picture of them two together yeah Um, she has like this super flat face right and i'm just like oh it's interesting like i never even saw julianne more like that but i mean it's just obviously portrayed and i'm like but then later you see her and she just looks like like you look like you're still so so young like it's insane like it's there's so much going on. Um, this movie, though, the way, the, just uh, a lot of the stuff that's what it's trying to say and uh, how it ends also is fucking insane, um, in my opinion. It's just, I was like, holy shit. Um, but this whole, like, dynamic of uh, Julianne Moore's character, which is uh, with Gracie, Gracie and Joe, yeah, their relationship is, I mean, just all bonkers. kinds of fucked up and just and, bonkers to begin with. Yeah. Right, uh, and then uh, Elizabeth, which is Natalie Portman, she's just like there as like a fly on the wall kind of situation. But not really. She becomes like this. They really include her in a lot of the things, like just like her, their normal day to day life. 
of what's going on. Right. All, all of this happens in the eve of a major family event where uh, they're graduating to college, right? They're graduating high school to go to college. Correct. Uh, yeah. The young kids. They're yeah. the kids they made together. The young twins. The young twins, yes. That's right. what I going to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is what? Mary and uh, Charlie, right? Yeah, sounds right. Um, so, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot going on in this movie about, and it's just like a lot of like hush hush things in the beginning until you find out more and more information about their past. About, uh, although it's kind of said and it's kind of shown, but obviously just like what the public knows compared to what what actually happened and what like how they feel about it and how they interact with things. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting subject to talk about, and just also this this lisp that she, fucking Gracie has. Um, from Julianne Moore has it. It's just like you see the whole Natalie Portman trying to like embody her and like we're and like after meeting with her for a day or two, just like trying to mimic poses, trying to mimic what she says, and because she's gonna play her right. So like, I, I don't know. This movie's so cool. There's a lot to say, but it's hard to get into. Also, hard to describe. Yeah. So I feel like we'll get more into that. But I dug this movie for weird reasons. Because it is like a hard thing to talk about um, overall, I would say, especially I think towards the end, and we'll we'll talk more about that in spoilers. But um, yeah, it's it's a really fucked up movie that I think you should watch, uh, or I think a lot of people should watch. Uh, and I told my wife about it, and I want to see what she thinks because I think she'd be interested in this. But uh, oh yeah, I can probably see her saying like I can't. Yeah, yeah. Do you like my recommendation then to one of our friends about this movie? Yeah, well, I mean, I had the same recommendation, so yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, how about you, Luke? What did you think of May December? Uh, I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, teachers. Yeah. No, um, God, all these like the three main characters are all just in their way, shape, or form such scumbags. I like, mean, are we they're all selfish? They're, are we all? Uh, and I'm just like, are they like, you know, I was just like, are they really doing this? I'm like, oh, my God, this is. They have been for years. <sighs> right. That's the thing. Not right. even that. It's also like Natalie Portman's character. When she's this like, is what adults do. Well, she gets like really. Oh, my God. I fucking <laughs> want to fucking punch in the face. Oh, so, so they are such irredeemable people. The worst. The worst of the worst. I don't know. There's. There's something to say about uh, what's his name's character, Society. Uh, Joe's character, Society for sure, Gracie's character. Um, that like, are yeah. are you forgiving to them for like, I don't know, for just like their mindset of where they are? Are they even developed? There's so much craziness going on in this movie. I don't know. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's uh. So there's a lot of things this movie has going for it. So, uh, another uh, great thing about this movie is that there's uh, there's multiple things happening here. Uh, there's there's multiple things that people can't get out of it, like uh, they're almost entirely unrelated to sometimes not, not not entirely unrelated. But I'm saying one person can see this movie about the the aftermath of such a tragedy where in this we should be more clear on what in case people are listening and not, not watching the movie is that this movie is based. Uh, uh, the 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 reason that this actress is uh, contracted to follow this family and for this role that she's doing for a movie is because uh, this family is famous. Uh, Gracie and Joe are famous for uh, Gracie was Joe's uh, gra- um, I think fifth grade teacher in school when they form when they made when they formed their relationship. So she was much older and he was a child 
it was, I mean, that's rape, 100%. Uh, the, the word rape is never used in the movie, which is uh, interesting tactically, by the way, that the movie never says that. There's no confrontation of that magnitude to say that because this is so much after the aftermath. They have a whole family together, a whole life together. Their kids are about to go off to college. You know, this is so much after that. I mean, their youngest kids are 18 at this point. Right. Give or take. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, what is he, but, 36 or something? 30, yeah, yeah, something like that. Or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, young-ass kid. And But it is the, the staying power of that imbalance and highly tragic in the sense of Joe and highly predatory in the sense of Gracie actions like what happens 20 years later? What's, what's it like later? And that's so that's a huge part of the film for sure. And but another part of the film is that you can take from it is that the nature of getting into the role, getting into the mindset of a person, not just that is overall shunned or hated by society, but um, how do you even begin to start the process of trying to empathize with that kind of person? Um Without judgment, of course, not too judgmental anyway. And what does it feel like to try to embody them in some way? Um, those two things could be completely different. Obviously, in this case, they're combined in one movie. And there's other things that people can try take from this movie that I'm not even saying. Uh, those, are the, those are the top two, I would argue, right? Um, and I want to ask you guys, which of those two things appealed to you the most when you finished May-December? Or throughout the movie. What were the two options? The nature of embodying another person, like in this case, Natalie Portman's character for a role, or the actual, like, af- like this fucked up family we're watching. I. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it was Natalie Portman's role. Because I think she was way too into it. Yeah. I think she fell in love with this idea. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think it was just like a, oh, it's not like an assignment to, you know, it's just that it's being that person kind of like aroused her. Oh, you think, you think there's a big arousal component to it? I'm not against that. You're probably, I think you're kind of right, actually. Not, not that I thought of it necessarily. But. I mean, because there's, there's these moments like where like, where she, or Julianne Moore's character was like doing her, the like, oh, this is how I do my makeup. And she was like doing it to Natalie Portman. And I was like, dude, she is like digging it. She's way too into it. Well, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you do what you love for work, or you never have to work with, you know, whatever that saying goes, I feel like that's a little bit of her, right? Yeah. If you, yeah, if, if, you, you if you work at what you love, you if you're literally have. doing the people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. What about you, Love? Did you have, uh, Raf? I mean, did you have anything, um, any of those stand out to you more than the other? Yeah. So I think, um, I, I want to say the, the, most of the movie, it's the family for sure. The dynamic between the couple as well. Um, and just like them, I think it's, it's very much, we're taking it through. We are Natalie Portman's character in this movie. Um, we're, we're coming in not knowing anything and learning, right? Um, and then I think it's also, uh, I think towards the end, it turns towards, I think it's more of Natalie Portman's like just fondness or 
maybe just the fact that she delves into the character so much that I feel that makes that like that it's that it's like to her and you're like like holy shit are you like it, it kind of like what Luke said like are you like into this <laughs> or are like are you just uh are you just really embodied? is that part of the black swan vibes you were having yeah that's that's that is what part of the black swan vibes i was having mm-hmm. there's like those moments that they they you have those moments in the movie where she does um she does like uh like she's just mimicking her roles for her for her right she's mimicking her movements she's mimicking her her talking she's mimicking her like those are the morals that i feel like black vibe that black swan vibes right um yeah, but I I do feel like the movie does shift. I just don't know where it does shift to more towards Natalie Portman's fucked upness and potentially compared to the family. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Would no. You? Yeah. No. I mean, I feel like we get so. I think we get um, a really good amount of equal screen time uh, with Gracie and Elizabeth. Um, enough to say that it's neither of the films and and it's yeah. more ultimately it's more of Gracie's film because we're all there because of her crime. Sure, yeah. And again, no one says crime either necessarily in the movie, but you oh, know that they, they sh- were in love. They were really shy away from that. I I, don't I think it's like it's like learned it's like a learned language uh, that after so many years not to not to be that way in the movie. You know, like all that stuff was already said and had. Yeah. I mean, we see, we see. Uh, there's a scene where Natalie Portman is like going through a bunch of papers and old tabloids and newspaper right and headlines of uh, of. That's where you really get the good notion of what happened, what's going on with uh, with this family. Uh, that's the first time you get a, a sense of what's going on, and like, oh shit, you know, and like you see everything that that would throw around those words that are completely true. Um, it's just fucked up, but it's like, it's strange. And I know SNL did a, a famous skit on this very thing. You guys seen that? No, no, I haven't. What skit? Uh, did a skit about like, um, I, I don't know if it was in relation to this particular story necessarily, it should be said, but, uh, that one guy that, uh, Pete Davidson, there you go, uh, played, uh, this guy in court who, uh, whose teacher slept with him. And they were playing it off as like, oh, you go, boy, kind of thing. Like, good job, kid, you know, because God. the real tragedy and why that's even remotely funny, which I don't think is funny, that is that, um, you know, because it's not reversed the usual way, meaning a grown male teacher, you know, being predatory and a younger female girl classmate, right, is, is the inverse of that. That is so unusual that we see it as like, oh, we can make fun of that, and and it's like, you go, kid, like you got really far, right? Yeah, not to quote that song, but you know, um, and it's fucked up. It's not a great skit. I, I don't think it's good, but it's it's a little famous, and I think it's because of this kind of thing. Um, I'm sure it's based on this story or a story similar to this. Is my point. But if you guys want to know, did you know this Roth that it's based on a, on a true thing? I thought it was, but I didn't know if it was exactly what it was. So I'm going to read a little thing. It's very short uh, on this thing, uh, just in case you should get you some color into this. In February 1997, it was revealed that school teacher Mary Kay Letourneau had been having a sexual relationship with her 13-year-old student, Vili Falau, since June 1996. Uh, Letourneau would later reveal how the relationship first started when Falau was just 12 years old, saying in an interview with 2020 
quote, the incident was a late night and it didn't stop with a kiss. And I thought that it would and it didn't, unquote. It was Letourneau's husband, Steve, who discovered that his wife was sleeping with a teenager and the authorities were soon alerted, per biography. At the time, Letourneau was pregnant with Folo's baby and she was arrested on March 4th, 1997. Letourneau gave birth to the couple's first child daughter, Audrey, on May 29th, 1997. And it goes on from there. But that's the, that's the bones of it, right? That is yeah. what it's uh, based on. And um, I saw a few interviews because I... I this happened in the 90s. I mean, I was around for sure, but I was a kid still. I, I didn't give a shit about the news. I definitely didn't know about it for sure. Um, the biggest news thing I knew, uh, there are two big news items in the 90s that I knew about. You guys, can, can you guys guess which OJ. two? Oh, three. Sure. Three. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Three. You're right. Yeah. I did. OJ was like, Clinton. Oh, yes. Clinton. Yes. Okay. okay. It's a sex scandal we're talking about, folks. Not his like winning or anything. Uh, what's the third one? Rodney King? Nope, Princess Diana. Oh, oh yeah, Princess D. That was a little bit. Before. That was a. You had more of an impact on that one than being on Luke. Did. I'm yeah. saying I. I heard it. Not that I read up on it or even knew what's going on. I just. Oh, knew for that sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. I uh, just remember that was the day my parents had their housewarming party. <laughs> when they got when they got the house that you're sitting in now. Yeah. Are you kidding? Wow, all that. Uh, okay. Anyway, I just want to say that I completely missed this, but. There is this scene, and I want to get to this before before spoilers because I, I don't know this movie is hard, but I want to get to some stuff for sure. Um, there is a scene in the movie. I don't remember the context in the movie, but where uh, I think it was just I was just it was just Joe and Gracie alone. This is where, like, after some shit, this is almost a spoiler, but I'm gonna keep it very clear here, very like non spoiler, where they start talking about the nature of their relationship. You guess what I'm talking about in the bedroom, and I think this is a scene where he brings up some legit questions that he probably should have asked a long ass fucking time ago, or at least started having these kind of conversations. It, that scene makes you feel like this is the first time, or maybe the first time in a long ass time that he's had it, and it devolves into Gracie saying over and over again, "Who was the boss? Who was the boss?" Right. You were the boss. Who was the boss? You were, remember? You guys remember yeah. this name? Yeah, 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 yeah. You seduced me. Right, right. yeah. Very much so, yeah. The nature of that being that, <laughs> of course, in this still very male-dominated society overall, for sure, especially more then than now, but still around, um, is that she would think that she did nothing wrong because he was the male in the relationship. That is what I got from that sense. Um, would you guys agree with that very simple statement that I just said? I mean, that was her justification, I think, for not. No, one hundred percent. I'm not saying she's right. I'm saying that's what yeah. she thinks. Yeah. No, I I think that's what she. I think that I agree with you. I think that's yeah. what she tells herself to think. Also, yes. like, or yeah, or yeah, you know, maybe herself, that that's or, a better or, sentence. I think, or is yeah. also like rationalize her for herself. Uh-huh. Like this is my truth now. And I'm like, okay, yeah. shit. Which so is I thought that up. scene was very weird. And I saw that there's an, an, an interview with Letourneau, the real life person, Mary Kay Letourneau. Um, she said that oh, it's almost like a line for line thing in an interview she gives with a guy that's telling her like that was fucking like great because he's like, trying to confront her with these questions. And and Joe is right there, or the uh, sorry, not Joe, Vili, uh, right, the real person. Um, Right there next to her, and he's like, "I don't know what I was doing. I was just like, whatever." And she's like, who, "And she keeps saying, like, who was the boss? Who was the boss?" 
and like, oh, I didn't know they took that from a real interview of this sorry criminal crazy fucking lady saying this shit. I thought it was like, you know, made up for the movie. And I thought it was a very poignant scene. And I didn't know it was lifted from reality like that. I was really kind of surprised watching that to the point where, like, I'm bringing it up not only because I just read that little background for you guys. Yeah. And it just made me think of that. And, like, oh, man, that's just. That's interesting. It's interesting in a fucked up way. But it's oh, one, one it's thousand human. This is way. such a human, it interesting is. thing. You know, like. one of those Yeah, things. we do this all the time. I think. It's funny I bring this up in a super sidebar, but I've had a conversation yeah. about like people who who like are just shitty people in the world and how they justify their actions. I really do think that they do like one good deed um a fucking quarter or a year or whatever, quarter. and they use yeah. that to justify that they're not bad people until eventually it becomes a cycle of like people telling them that they're shitty and then they do one good thing and then they goes right back around of like I'm not a shitty person. I did this one great thing and someone complimented me on me doing great. You know, and I live on those coattails for forever until I realize that I'm not. I'm actually a shitty person. And then you're like, oh, am I shitty? No, I did this other good thing. And someone, and it goes just back into this vicious cycle of like, but you're not. You're still a shitty person. You just have somewhat decent moments, you know? Yeah. So it is very human, though. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to spoilers. Are you guys good with that? So we can talk more freely about some stuff. I definitely want to talk about some scenes, even the not spoiler scenes. Uh, for May, December, starting now. Okay, so let's talk about this family a bit more. Um, I think the real victim is still very much Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, the the, yeah. the one thing I liked about his kind of story mm-hmm. with him and, like, the the butterflies. Yeah, the caterpillar thing. Yeah, um, like how they're coming into, like, like he's he's... Pretty much growing like up now. I mean, it's like very overt. Time. Yeah, the movie very, is very so on the nose. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's like crack. bonk, bonk. Yeah, oh, on yeah. the camera. Yeah, hundred percent. Where's the piano? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, no man, I really fell for him. That scene with his kid and the roof. Oh god! Yeah. Never tried weed. He never. That that means that translates to he never having a childhood. childhood. Never had childhood. Never had it. Um, and you get notions of that too when he talks about his old friendship with Georgie, her fucking oldest. They're the same age, you know. That's how do you wrap your mind around that? I can't do it right now, you know. Uh, right. In a in a fantastical sense, um, it's uh, it's it's not it's not great, and um, you know also makes him stunted. He's a very stunted individual. You know, and we get very little on his own background with his family. You see, his father is the only one left, yeah. I think, in his immediate family, and we get very little, next to nothing. We had that one scene where he goes to the dad's house, but I mean, it's, he was probably it's, working the factory floor at thirteen, smoking Reds. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, man, poor guy. I, that, that I felt for him and his kids. Oh. I felt for her, oh, yeah, yeah, I felt for his kids fun. too. There's I think there's a lot of there's there's two points in the movie where his kids want to tell him something, especially like that scene in the roof. The son obviously wants to tell him something like like dude, like like this is fucked up and you should know that you should like it's yeah. fucked and up. And he's right? like saying, I hope I didn't fuck you up like that, you didn't. Like oh, yeah, dude. Like no, I know. And it, it is one of those like situations. And there's another scene where his older daughter, right, his the oldest, 
is yeah. in town and she's just obviously fucking angry at like everything mainly the mom and right? she's had some separation oh, from yeah. it so she's she can had come back right? a bit more she can you know? right but there's yeah. like this like like why and as she's looking at him she looks at him like the, i think it's the restaurant scene i can't remember to be yeah honest. where they all have that yeah I think but she's she looks at the like yeah, she looks at him like 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 do something like fucking stand up for something like please mm-hmm. like do something here like kind of situation like she yeah. it's like this look i've seen the look before and i'm just like <laughs> okay like i just it's just one of those like i've seen the look before yeah like and you're just like oh. yeah those kids were really well act- they acted really well they yeah really they did they did oh my god that one scene when they're trying they're doing the fitting i love that you're, scene I, you're so brave so, so brave for wearing so that brave dress. for for oh, showing which, your arms when she fucking said that i was like this fucking bitch i was Dude. like unreal and she doesn't yeah. wear that she's wearing nope. a completely yeah, it covers completely her yeah. yeah and that whole thing is shot that on reflection that was crushing yeah those that whole shot was a uh, scene was shot like continuously on a reflection scene on a mirror yeah and we're seeing natalie port is so much going on that fucking yeah, natalie portman sees it and you're, she doesn't look shocked but she looks like oh this is how you interact with your people right, right. And it's yeah. more because you, you think she's shocked because you're like, she's kind of us, right? Yeah. But she kind of takes it like, I'm going to say shit, right? you know, kind of scenario. And you're like, okay, all right, that's interesting. What was the, I think with the oldest daughter, she was like, you gave me a scale for like my graduation gift. I was like, jeez. Right. That's what I got for my graduation gift. That's fucking bullshit. Whatever. And then she, yeah, she was like all defensive. No, we just got you things for your new apartment. Right. Exactly. Just yeah. Because you were treated like shit doesn't mean you have to treat your fucking kids like shit. Right. What, what do we think of Gracie uh, telling um, Elizabeth about like her naivete, naivete, right? And how that is like her greatest asset or a great asset that she has. Like, what do we think of that? I mean, that, I know, I know that on one hand on the surface of that, that statement says that she's what you were was saying, like the kind of asshole that doesn't think they're an asshole or a bad person that doesn't think they're a bad person, you know, like it's rationalizing it away. But is there anything more to that, that we feel like it's going on with that scene? What she says there. Wait, what part? I'm sorry. What, what, what she, what she, oh, says? she tells Elizabeth, I forget the context of why she says it. Yeah. Um, about her being naive. I think this is when she was showing her like her workplace, the floral stuff. Um, like how she is always. Oh, she says naive. that's very naive of you. Right, right? naive of you. Right? And she's yeah, like, yeah. I've always been naive. I've I think it's been my naive. greatest asset or something, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you, I guess, not really, but I think it's your biggest detriment that, that you are naive. I mean, I mean, sure. there's for sure you have to have some sort of ignorance. To think that you're fucking good at, like you're having a good life. You're right. a great baker. You Everyone to. takes your. Oh, hold on. I that one I'm, I'm sure oh. she's a fine baker, but like the, fine in like the lowest sense. But Dude, like, if she's the best baker, I don't think. No, 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 no. But like, I, I, there, but that oh my God, thing where she breaks down, yeah. where she's just like, and I'm like, what do you, what do you someone, complaining someone about? Be, them, yeah, they still pay for the thing, but like, it, like and that same reaction is that that's a fucking good husband to be like. I'll eat your I'll eat your food. I'll eat the food so it doesn't go to waste. I'm here. Which is why he's probably overweight, by the way. It tastes great, probably, yeah. <laughs> it tastes great. Like, oh my god, it's so great. We didn't let it go to waste. Pleases her wife his wife. Like he I mean, not for nothing. He's not doing he's not like it's not like he doesn't try, you know? So Yeah, but he, he is constantly the oh, servant to that like he is one thousand percent. I mean of course, in that yes. opening scene where we like the dramatic note of like, oh my I don't think we have enough hot dogs. 
And then we get that emotional fucking <laughs> piano. A scene after that, he's cooking like 75 hot dogs on that thing. Dude. He's like cooking dogs. a shit ton you, of hot dogs. You can't, you can't see the girl. Not enough people. <laughs> To feed yeah. everyone, no, you know what I'm saying? Is. That kind of, it's like, it's it's comical in that moment because it's the very beginning. But like, it adds, it, it's added to it. Like it's add, it's an add on to a lot of shit, and you know. And he's having a tender relationship, flourishing. And I didn't understand that for the longest time in the movie, and then I got it. Is that he's having a a text friendship, maybe more, with someone. In a different land, in a different country, or at least I think, or a different state, about this caterpillar thing, right? He's having a relationship with someone online that he's met, that, are, that have this shared passion, right? Right. About saving these caterpillars or butterflies. And like, he is so, I mean, he's having it naturally, but he's very afraid. Of, he's clearly secretive about it, but he's having it, and he can't contain himself to ha- not have it, right? Like, it's like he's trying to burst out and grow up. Yeah, yeah, but like it's not happening because it's not going to happen as long as he's there. It's just super sad, and Gracie is so predatory. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. which leads me to <sighs> Natalie. One scene, yeah, when, she t- when she tells him, like, just when she tells him that you're like he's trying to stand up to himself for himself. Yeah, you know, and like he's finally like breaking it, like breaking down, and like. I just want to have a conversation about it, you know, kind of situation. He can't even do it without fucking like being obviously anxiety driven and, you know, just fucking a, a hot mess. And he's trying to say that that's that scene. And she's like, no, it's, you know, you were just as much as fault. I'm like, you can't hold a child responsible for those situations, for that situation. No, nope. Like, and I'm like, you're the adult there. You need to take the responsibility there. And the fact that you don't even want to take it and you throw the blame on him. That's a fucking dick move. And you're like, and then you're still holding him accountable for these situations and you don't even want to talk about it. Also, now that you're both adults, like you're both grown and you're both, you know, doing all these things together. Like, it just, yeah. I, I don't know. It's insane. Insane. Like, how have you guys never seen a therapist? <laughs> like, it's just like, what? Nah, man, not the, you need a team. You need to dig up <laughs> a squad. A squadron. They justified their actions, though. So I don't think they're even seeing a therapist, you know. They think they're the outlier, the exception. Yeah. I mean, that's... I don't even think it's they. I, I don't think he thinks that. I don't think he thinks for himself. Well, at yeah. first, you know, I'm sure he felt that way. Now that he's actually becoming an adult and maturing, he's seeing it for what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about that baking stuff we mentioned earlier uh, in the movie that, uh, you know, it's... Um, it's kind of a, it's one of those sick fascinations that, are, uh, not just America, I'm sure other countries and other societies do too. I, I, I know I just feel it more here because we're here, but, you know, it's like, um, it's like Mace, it's like, uh, uh, Wayne Gacy's paintings uh-huh. and the fascination with having one of them or seeing them. I feel like it's similar to getting one of her baking products because, like, her infamy of a tragedy. That was in all the tabloids and newspapers and news and uh, interviews that you can see a fascination where people would buy out of a sick fascination interest to buy one of her loaves of bread or whatever the fuck she makes. Um, The same way someone might want a Gacy painting, right? I feel like in the same vein that I think there's a there's a track between those two people, those two types of people. The novelty of it. The no, there's a novelty for these sickening people, things that things that they do that we would never do. 
but you still want to kind of be a part of that. I can see yeah. some people doing that, and I felt that that that's what that felt like to me, watching those little scenes of the Brett stuff and her crying about it. Um, that that kind of stuff also adds to the how. Well, you know, there's a, there's parts where, um, and this is all adds on to what you're saying, Oscar. In my opinion, is uh, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman is going around interviewing other people, and just like when he go when she goes like the big ones when she goes to the pet owner, right? And like I don't oh, I really don't want to do this anymore. Like I really don't want to. I, I don't want to yeah. relive this. I don't want to do this. And yeah. it obviously has. It's still stained in the community. It's a stained thing. He goes around. She goes around asking other people, and everyone's nice about it. And everyone's like, "Yeah, we're over it." Like, no, we're not really, because it's still fucking weird to be around it. Like, it's it still is, but we just deal with it. And it is very much like we just deal with it. Yeah, you get little 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 notions of people still very much like hating. Like when she's in that Florida thing showing Elizabeth like what her day to day is like. Like, I'll I mean, show you a good time, and that one woman goes like, "I bet you will." Like right. the constant is never ending. Yeah, and there's she's a, just yeah. shutting it away. Right. There's, a, I mean, obviously Georgie is the biggest outlier, which is uh, Corey Michael Smith, which Luke posted in the chat. Thank you. Um, yeah, G- Georgie is just obviously the one, the, the only one telling everybody like this is fucked up. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. and it is fucked up. Like it's fucked up. Like he's calling is, for what it is. He really I'm, is. Like, and it, I mean, he's clearly impacted by it. Still, oh, I mean, hugely impacted by. It. He hasn't grown up shit. at all. No. Yeah. 100%. Fucking spoiled piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. But I, uh, he came by honestly. It looks like honestly, based on this shit, and honestly, I, I can see it. My favorite interview that Elizabeth does, and we should get into Elizabeth now, um, is with her ex-husband, with the Gracie's ex-husband. Um, such a good scene. I love that scene. Uh, I think that guy really kind of says a lot without saying it of what it was like going through that, because he's saying it in terms of someone who's been who went through it decades ago now. He's not saying as someone who is going through it yesterday, like it happened yesterday. Um, and I love that scene. I think that's a real good encapsulation of this tragedy of what time does to it. It's still there. It lingers for sure. It's not explosive for anger the same way, yeah. but it's still there because life still has to go on. He has right. all that stuff in it, in that performance. I liked it a lot. Yeah. But there is about, yeah, go ahead. There is that huge, sorry to cut you off, but there is that huge thing, right? Theme of life still has to go on, right? Yeah. And that's the theme, I think, of all our three movies so far. Um, life still has to go on. Life Shit, is going to continue without it. I know. Um, and it's like where um, we're obviously impacted by it and how we live through it. I, I'm curious as to if everybody would have been able to deal with it better had they not stayed there. Like in that in that island or whatever, in Savannah, Savannah. So yeah, no, they're on an island off of Savannah. Like it's like it's supposed to be an island. Is it? I thought it was Savannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're like real close to. It. Like it's like oh okay, it's right okay there. Okay. But like yeah, yeah, it's like you know Ohio islands. Yeah, I'm just very curious. as like had they left, would it have been better for them to overall like everybody just grow? I mean, before the be internet st- and not be stuck in this. It doesn't matter with the internet or not. I just think like. Overall, every character would have been able to grow and not get stuck and like bogged down mm-hmm. at all moments, you know. Okay, um, one shot us to wonder, like, yeah, I imagine that things would be better. I don't want things to be better for Gracie, but maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe it would have been better for her too. I don't know, maybe not. No, no, probably not. She's very insulated the way she is there. I think she insulated herself very well. She's definitely the, 
a queen of that kind of thing. And it's probably would have been worse for her, which thankfully would have been better for everyone else. Um, I want to get into Elizabeth too, because I think there is a great comparison to be made with her and Gracie, uh, Elizabeth and Gracie, I mean, and um, in both negative and positive ways. For one is that I think uh, when it comes to her side of the movie is that the movie shows a lot of what acting is, or at least, I don't want to say method acting, but acting in the sense of like when you're doing a research like this, a weird, because I feel like her character could have been, could have been uh, a guy writing a book, a journalist. It could have been uh, a, a, like a, like an older member of the family that's maybe extended trying to like look into this and be in curiosity. It could have been someone more nefarious, God forbid, you know, I don't know how that would have worked, but out of all the people, they chose an actor to come into their life. Right. That's what the movie hinges on. And, um, I love that because they shows that acting is just as predatory as Gracie is. Cause you know, yeah, I think of that scene. We talked about earlier about the dress scene with the, with the, uh, the teardown of the daughter, right. Of her arms and shit. Uh, you almost see Natalie Portman's character wanting to like maybe defend a little bit, like no, no, girl, you look fine, you know, or you know, don't, you know, maybe don't say, don't listen to Gracie, don't listen to your mom, but like defend her a little. She doesn't do any of that. She's just sitting back observing. She's at first taking it back a bit, and you see her reaction is like okay, and she's just trying to mimic her the way she sits. And the movie slowly, she starts looking like her, not just the makeup scene. Starts dressing like her, starts oh, yeah. acting like her. Like you see her really become her, and that's where I think Natalie Portman gives like, um, maybe her best performance. I don't know, maybe, you know. Oh, also, so, the pet shop scene is weird. At the very end, no. When she goes there, like just to see oh. where it happened, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. she kind of like, I don't know, like has an orgasm because she was in the same area that mm-hmm. they were caught having a relationship with. So cringy. Uh, Raph, I think you're on mute. I probably was. You were. Um, I, I think she wants to reenact a scene, not have an orgasm. I think it's a bit uh, of yeah. both. I wouldn't lie. I mean, it's probably a bit of both. But I do think she is like definitely a honing in her craft. I think she's definitely looking to expand her career. I think that is definitely the, the genesis, the main motivation of her doing this is she's I think she's probably Oscar baiting, honestly. But she's trying to hone in into like a bigger, like next level acting. She wants to do the next step. I think that's what she's really doing. And I think it further shows how like she doesn't give a shit what kind of family's lives she's wrecking as long as she gets what she would call her truth. Right? Right. And it's a truth, but it's not the truth. And that's where we come to at the crescendo in the movie where like, what do we think is going on with the ending? Not the very ending, but like the ending, like that last meetup they have with Elizabeth and Gracie. It has like a point where like, oh no, like dun dun dun, you didn't really know. It's like a big reveal. But did it feel like a big reveal? What do you guys think is going on there? Yeah. I I think it's, um, I think that scene is really, uh, like, because it's said in the beginning, she says, I talk to my kids all the time. I talk to my kids every day. Uh, and I, I talk, talk to, to my, Georgie every day. I talk to Georgie every day. She said that to her. You know, I talk to Georgie every day. I uh, I thought it was revealed there. No, but maybe, she said maybe that not. she talks to Georgie every day. What's revealed is that they're obviously talking about her 
and the shit mm-hmm. that she's been talking about her behind her back is behind her by Elizabeth's back or Gracie's back. Yeah. Um, is like, Hey, I know, I know what you guys, I know what people are saying about me or I yeah. know what people are being said. Things are being said about me. Right. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's been like, since, cause we met, we met, uh, with Georgie pretty early on. Right. I think the second day or third day there. Yeah. It was like one of those surprises. It wasn't like meant to be, but it was happened. I don't know where it kind of like. Right. His band was playing. So mm-hmm. nope. yeah. If you want to call that a band. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's that. And I think it's like, ever, I don't know if ever after that, there's like a weird, like, was she being let on the whole time after that? Cause now if you're talking to my son, if I talk to my son every day, right. And am I being let on after everything else? Oh, like, you think it was I, trying to like make you rethink every scene you've seen kind of thing. It, a little bit, but it was also showing like I I came off naive to you, or I came off, which is what she says she is, right? I came off like this, like this person, but like this unsure person. But what you really need to know is, like I've I've always known everything about me, who I am. I'm so sure of myself. Which is what what is it? What are the exact words she says? Do you remember? I don't remember, but it's in the tip of my brain though a little bit. Um, no, it's like it's like uh, I. Uh, I know who I am or something like that. It's like, I know, or I know what I am. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, you, you got me kind of wrong. Like, I'm not dumb. Like, I know, I know everything I do. Like, I just, Is I know you, you my role. You think she's taking back her naive comment? It's more like, uh, I know I'm playing that role. I, it is almost taking back the comment, but like, I may be, I may be acting naive, but this is the role I'm playing, right? Kind of scenario. And it's like, and this is who I am. This is who I have to be to, for the, for whatever it is. And it is like giving Natalie Portman like this, like you thought I am this like whatever person, right? Just dumb person or whatever, right? But rea- the reality is I'm not. I'm not a victim here. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one running this whole shit. I'm the and victimizer. It, and she really is. I think she really comes out saying like, I'm. I'm not. I'm not a victim here, right? And nothing, nothing that anyone was saying that she was a victim, right? And I, I am the one in charge. But the the big thing she's saying is, I'm the one that runs things around here. Like I'm so, I'm so sure of everything I do that I know how to run my life. You know, like I know how to do everything in my life to make sure I get what I want. And she has gotten what she wants, in my in my opinion. Do you feel similarly, Luke? I suppose so. Did that I mean did that moment feel as impactful as Elizabeth's face was showing when she <laughs> when it was at dropped. the very end, right? Yeah, right. At their it last confused meeting. me because like no, uh, I think it is. at the graduation, at the graduation, I'm talking about graduation. Yes, that was the last scene together. At the graduation together, when they talk, when they depart ways. See, I don't know. I was conflicted at that one. I wasn't sure of like is she for real or like is it not. Was Georgie full of shit because he's just trying to, you know, kind of like weasel his way into Hollywood or. Oh, right. That was, a, uh, that was funny. Uh, not, not a lot of redeemable characters in this movie. No, no, no. Um, but, but I think there are definitely a few. I mean, the kids we said, I think, Joe, you know, we overall agree. Some like, of the kids. Ex-husband, sure. You know, they're victims in, more, in some ways, you know. They're definitely like casualties, uh, collateral damage kind of thing. Yeah. You for sure can tell the, the ex-husband <laughs> like went through therapy and everything. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, right, right. He went through his own fucking craziness. 
What? Went to the went to the bad part of town, beat up a bunch of hookers just to get no, out of the system. Oh, that's not what I meant by that. No, but nope. sure, sure. If that's what you do, then yeah, I guess. Um, watch out, hookers. Um, okay. Uh, watch out, Stone Park. <laughs> should we say sex workers? Anyway, um, moving on to a little bit. So I, I also didn't know what to think. I, I definitely didn't feel as impactful in that scene as Natalie Portman's face was. But I think what's interesting is that she. I mean, she could be seen as many ways the audience surrogate in this scenario. Of course, she's the outsider coming in. Right. Um, and she has in many ways, but also in many ways she's not. Like I said, she's very predatory. She cares about different things. She's there for her own agenda. She's very selfish. I think there's yeah. nothing in the movie that doesn't say that or doesn't like, oh, there's that a, up. There's two parts that reinforce it so hugely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's two parts that... The sexing, 100%. For one. The sexing reinforces oh, it. And yeah. then the phone call... That's not what adults do. That's what some of them with, do, I think. But with sure, the director? The, oh. the, the, the phone call conversation, the conversation yes. with the director. Those are the two scenes also, that you're just like... This, this kid's not fucking... sexy enough. Find someone like that kind of shit. Yeah. It's, it's like, like it's, uh, well, that's he, more about that's more well, showing she, how crazy Hollywood is. Right. I would say more than yeah, but she's obviously but, cheating on her fiance with him. Yeah, right. They don't, I don't know okay, going, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's literally it, they literally like innuendo it like that they're fucking right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, you let me do this thing so I can like you know I took it off the budget. Like, I kind of run you right now, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, also like he says it like I think you've been there too long. <laughs> like you need yeah. to leave. Like. The kid's not sexy enough? Like, what the fuck? Who says that? Like, you know. Trust me, many people have said that about a lot of kid actors. A hundred percent. I know. I get it. But it's just. No. And I also get why she would say it in this context. And uh, yeah, just icky. It's just icky. Yeah. Um, Icky to think. What did you think of that? I do have a question. Um, There's a scene. It's not that long of a scene. But Joe goes to his dad. And -hmm. he's just like, they smoke a cigarette together or whatever. Yeah. What did you guys think of that scene? Because for me, it felt like uh, the dad obviously wants to tell him, like, I don't give a fuck about anything you do with your family kind of situation, but I have nothing to say to you, but you're my son, so I kind of, like, have to talk to you, like, in a weird way. Like, I almost want to disown you. Um, oh, hmm. maybe. Uh, but yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what to say to you. And, it's, I, and I really felt like, like that was like... That's what I got. I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, I was I was curious what you guys felt like that. Yeah, I felt uh, that way too. Nothing really beyond that. I didn't really add in a lot of my own in that. Um, but you, but I could see that. I could see what you're saying about like, like I have. I don't want anything to do with your family or the the Sony part. Maybe I don't know. I I don't. I I didn't read that for sure. Uh, I just saw it as something like I don't know what to say to you. Yeah. In general, like any day of the week, probably. Um, I don't know. That definitely adds to it. I would say that uh, it, it just makes his character more tragic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Luke, yeah. Um, I, they have a really strained relationship, and I think they also kind of mentioned it. I think when he was talking about like his father, how he had to like take care of like, the family or his sisters. Well, the mob died, right? I think they said, right? Yeah, mom had passed away. So. Yeah, yeah, at some point. Yeah. So, so he became like the caretaker. So I don't know. It might be some resentment there or something, where he had to be like the man of the house while his dad was trying to provide or keep <sighs> up. Uh, I can say, I have yeah. fucking no clue on that one. Um, I, I, 
I I mean I love watching the scene, but it's a terrible scene. It's terrible things that happen. The scene, the sex scene that Elizabeth has with Joe is uh, fucked up, predatory, like I said. And that scene is brought on. That sex actually is brought on by the fact that he brings over. He's so this is where he's very stunted, childlike, naive. Also, doesn't understand what's going on. Is that he brings over a love letter that Gracie had written for him when yes. he mm-hmm. was thirteen. And that, um, dude, Elizabeth, like, hungry like the wolf, wanting that, wanting to read it right away. And he's like, don't read it yet until I leave, right? And fucks him to get him out faster, I think. Almost like that. Almost. It's, I, I'm not, I'm, there's more to it than that. But I think that just kind of pounces it immediately when he leaves. Yeah. Pounces I, on that I, shit. I saw it more of a reward system. Like, uh, uh, okay. Here's yeah. your reward for giving me this this thing yeah that know. could be that could be it too i mean that's fucked up and also that could i can see her that's in her character i think i mean she plays a very odious person I, in my opinion uh portman and um uh, reading that scene, yeah as in, as it, as it yeah. progresses for sure go ahead sorry and then we get to the the heavyweight the best bit of acting probably of the year is that monologue and for me the monologue of natalie portman monologuing oh, yeah. this love letter to the camera kind of dressed like her a little bit and on nothing background like she's doing it clearly on her own it's not like part of the movie no it's not it's just her it's and almost she as does it that so would be her fucking op- well yeah yeah imitating gracie and her fucking accent and her manner and it gets that was a scary good monologue scene and it adds to this heavy creepiness when you compare that love letter by an adult woman compared to the the little love poem that a 13-year-old wrote to Gracie who we see earlier in the movie. Remember? When he talks about that one letter that you see, like, the Gracie shows her, I think, Elizabeth. Like, oh, he sent me this uh, back then, and it says, like, like love is... Love is the trees and the wind. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. Like love is peace, or like love peace, peace is when I'm with you. Peace is with this, right? And it's it's written like a fucking child. It is because it's, it's, it's fucking child. Sad. But you see her. It's like it adds a layer to that. On top of the fact that you're watching an amazing fucking monologue. You know, it's like it works on on several levels. Is my point. Um, not just the performance itself, but like the fact that Natalie Portman is playing an actress doing a bit of a role. It's like very Inception, I guess you could say. Layers yeah. on layers, right? Um, and that's a very good scene. And it's and that is and that scene, the very craft, I mean, like, she's nailing this role, and I feel like, like a horrible person saying that, but she's nailing this role so well that it's made all the more tragic when you find out at the very end of the movie that they're making a schlocky piece of shit. The very yeah, end. Yeah, I mean, they said it's an indie movie, so. Still a piece of shit. Yeah. Still a slock. It's ma- it's probably better than the made for TV movie that we see a clip on earlier. But yeah. like, is that what we were watching? Is that yeah. what, is that mm-hmm. what that was? Yeah. Okay, so okay, I thought it was like porn parodies or porn. Oh, uh, oh, okay. I hope not. No, I don't so, think. So, I don't okay, think okay. So. so I mean, thank God, right? But <laughs> so, okay, because it, it it mimicked that. It, that scene yeah. mimics that that other scene, and it's just as bad. Mm-hmm. Even with her. Putting all this effort of learning, and she's trying. Person. She's like, I almost got it. Give me another take, and yeah. and that's like the tragic. Is like, no, we're gonna mm-hmm. move on now. After like, all, but for me, take. for me, right, yeah. right. Yeah. She's not. It's not gonna. Nothing in that movie is gonna come close to that monologue. Nothing. Nope. 
nothing. You know, um, and so much stuff about this. I mean, I feel like we're on that. We should probably just stop reviewing this. Uh, there's a lot. And my point is, this movie has a lot. I could keep going. Honestly, I'm not gonna keep going. Um, any any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, I just realized it was you know, an hour. Almost. Yeah, some very powerfully bad people. <laughs> yeah, very interesting though. Very interesting stuff. Yes, very interesting yes, human very. behavior going on here. Um, I want to mention one last thing about this movie is that this movie gave me a lot of vibes of uh, you mentioned Black Swan Roth. I remember it, it reminds me of a movie called uh, not very well known. His movie's called Kate Plays Christine. Never seen it. Kate Plays Christine. Christine, um, I forgot her last name. Chub, Ch- Chubbuck? Lubbock? Christine Lubbock, I think her name is. Um, based on the real true story about this, uh, the TV anchor in Florida who shot herself live on TV. It's about oh. the real life story about that. And there's a movie called Kate Plays Christine about this actress, Kate, I forgot her <laughs> name, sorry, is researching and trying to embody the role of this Christine character. And the movie follows her trying to do that. The movie's about her trying to do what Natalie Portman's character is doing in this movie. Ah, okay. So I would say if you're looking for a similar vibe, watch that movie. They're, they're completely doing different things in the end, but the, the, the bones is very similar. And there's kind of a rare to see this kind of movie. But if you're interested, Kate Plays Christine is a, is a great version of that. Um, and if you're interested in, in Christine in general, they did make that into an actual movie played by completely Rebecca Hall is maybe a completely different actress and stuff, a completely different team. Also a very good movie, very haunting and very fucked up for sure, because that's a real life story. Um, anyway, that is it for my opinions and my thoughts on May, December and our opinions and thoughts on May, December. And that is it for our show. You have been listening to a very long review of another movie podcast. Do not forget that we typically come out every other Wednesday. Um, it should be said that after this release, this will be, this should, this will be our last review our last show for the year. We're actually taking a little bit of a break before we do our top tens because it's going to be a week there where we're not releasing or something. Um, so our our tentative schedule is as follows: is that we will do our usual top ten shows. We're going to open the our January releases with our top ten films of the year, of course, and then our top ten TV shows uh, featuring. Our annual co-host, uh, Matthew, will join us for that. And Luke, you are as well, right? Yeah, I should be able to squeeze it in. Okay. I'm glad you still feel the similarity. And then we'll do our top 10 discoveries in 2023. Uh, we're going to do the same three. Uh, we're not going to start right away, like December, January 2nd or anything like that. But we're going to do uh, probably in the first week of or by the 10th, the latest. I think that's when we're going to start releasing those on a week-by-week basis after that to finish off what we think of 2023. So check us out for that. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to come back with all the top 10 stuff. So hopefully you've seen these films. I hope you like them. Watch as many movies as possible. I have a, I have a long list. A lot of movies are being released in, on the 22nd. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah, there is. A lot, a lot of good-looking fucking movies. I don't know how many I'm going to get to. I'm going to try my best. Uh, hope you all do, too. Check us out. Until then, I am Oscar. And Luke. And Ralph. See you all later. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.